Hello and welcome back to the Go Time podcast with your host, Todd Martin. This is part two of the podcast with James Compton. Hope you enjoy. You know, um, it's really funny because there was a, there was, when you said that, it reminded me of, um, there was an instance whenever I was, I guess I was probably like 28. And I had been doing this, you know, I'm going to be a horse trainer someday, you know, kind of deal while yeah. I'm, while I'm working as an aircraft mechanic and, and, and trying to figure out how to give lessons on in the evenings and how, how in the world am I going to let go of a job or I had benefits and whatever else and, and just oh, jump off this it, into this abyss of, you know, like, oh, I'm going to do, I'm just going to do this. Right. It's funny. Cause it was your side hustle, right? It was. And that's me too. You take yeah. your, you know, something you're passionate about. I think that's the best way to it, do in, you know, like, and you have to do it when you're young. Cause when you get you older, do. you don't have the energy. Oh my God. Well, and not only that, but it, well, and I was jumping off, you know, kind of like this same deal, but at, a, at an age where I was like, I was 28, 29. And you know, when you're eight now looking back, I'm like, that's so young, you know, it's a perfect time <laughs> to be able to do it. And that time I'm going like, I'm way behind a lot of my friends. Like everybody else is like five years into their career and I'm still the dingling running around trying to chase, you know, some crazy dream. <laughs> my dad sat down and had to talk with me. And oddly enough, he had just retired that, that year. And, uh, and he retired from 33 years working for National Cash Register as a, as a uh, computer repairman. He was like one of the first computer repairmen, yeah. right? And, and he started out on cash registers and he came home with yeah. purple phones, right? Yeah. And, and, uh, and he'd had 33 years in, same company, same job, all that time, right? And, uh, and, he, and he sat me down and he was like, so, you know, when are we going to stop this, you know, I'm going to be a horse trainer thing and let's get to, you know, like settling down and get a real job. Not and, what uh, I thought, where you were, I didn't think you were going there. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and he goes, you know, so, you know, by the time, by the time I was your age, I had a house and two kids and the job that I'd already started establishing what I'm going to do. And he goes, you, uh, you don't own your truck. And he was right. <laughs> I didn't own, I didn't even own my truck. And, uh, and he goes, so when are you going to settle down with this? Right. And, and I, had, uh, I looked at him and I was like, man, you know, you're, you're right. You know, I, 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 you know, I'm seeing things going around and whatever. And I, and I told him, I, but you know what, dad, I, I just, I know I can do this. I really do know I can do this. And, and I just, I got to give it another year or two. I just, I have to. And, uh, and he just, boy, it just, you know, I don't know, Todd, you know, it is like, what, you know, what are you, where are we going with this? And I looked at him and I said, you know, I got to give it a couple more years. What I don't want to do is I don't want to end up after 33 years looking back going, I wish I'd have started that garage. And instead, going, I was a computer repairman on a job that didn't like, right, for 33 years and having that regret. If I put the two years in right now and I don't, I'll go and get a job. I'm always, I'm employable. I'm hardworking. I'll do it. But at least after 33 years of doing that job, I won't have the regret. I won't look back and go, I wish I would have. 
I will at least look back and go, God dang it, I tried. Right. Yeah. And I, I will, I can live with that. Yep. I can live with that. The other, I don't know I can live with. Never and, tried. Yeah. Never knowing. Never yeah. knowing if I had made that, op- if I had made that shot. Right. And yeah. this is like a 28 year old guy that didn't have a, tr- I didn't own the truck. Right. Much less a horse trailer, yeah. much less a horse. Like the horse that I had, my dad bought for me to, to give me an opportunity to try, right? Yeah. <clears throat> and he invested in me, you know, and he did that. But it was like, boy, he was starting to get a little thin on how much he was going to support me in doing this deal and if it was really going to ever happen. And um, and when I said that to him, he was like, I, I can't argue with that. Yeah. It was a, it that was a turning point. And it was, I think it was a turning point too, where I, I had to kind of like, shit or get off the pot yeah right it was a point where you know okay so if you are then you need to step mm-hmm. off and my turning point was i got laid off i got laid off best thing that ever happened. oh my god it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it forced me to i yeah. came home in shambles i'd never been laid off in my life mm-hmm. and i got and it was the aircraft industry was going down and it had, had nothing to do with you or your performance yeah, yeah i had nothing but it was just one of those deals right and um and I came home crushed. I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do? And and my girlfriend that is now my wife, um, looked at me and goes, well, why don't you go do the horse thing? That's all the hell you talk about. Right. <laughs> why don't you go? And it was like, oh, you got nothing better. To yeah. Do. <laughs> like, all right. Well, if you think I can, let's go. Um, but it would. That was the same kind of turning point where it was like, so, yeah. So I could I could, you know join the masses and do what I'm supposed to do. Or do I go like, when do I pull the pin on this thing and make it happen? Yeah. Yeah. That's That's awesome. Isn't that cool? Yeah. There's, you know, that's one thing that really bugs me about public school. There are a number, but they teach you to be afraid of failure, afraid. And that makes you afraid to try. That's probably the biggest thing about private school that I really love is mm-hmm. that at all my, my boys are not afraid to fail. And they also left with the belief that they could do anything because they're not afraid to fail. And they know that it, there's no finality in it. There's no, so even if you failed, God, isn't that true? You know, I mean, well, gr- you know, growing up and it's something I, you know, I don't see a lot, being quoted on it uh, these days but i'm sure you can relate to it i mean over and over and over it's like well the guy that hits the most home runs also had the most strikeouts the guy who you have the the, the most attempts to be the, the best at something you got to take the most attempts and as a result you you're the best at it but you're also the biggest failure at it at the same time. You got to be willing to fail. You know There's what? nothing wrong with it because you're constantly learning. You're yeah. constantly improving. And it's, you just got to keep taking the shots, man. You know, um, I, I had it, I interviewed um, Jeremy Affelt, who's that baseball player. Yeah, yeah, dude. <clears throat> I met him the day before his grand opening. Oh, at did you? Black Rifle. Yeah. We, oh, yeah. He was with a couple of buddies that are from Seattle and I hear him talk and they're sitting right next to us. And I'm like, you guys are from Seattle? And they're like, yeah. So we start talking. I have no idea who Jeremy Affeld is. You know, I'm like, like we talked about yeah. our world. I'm not <laughs> it's not a, in my realm. No. And yeah. so we just have this conversation. Seems like a great guy. And he tells me, hey, you guys should stop by. We're having our open house tomorrow. Kim and I were riding our mountain bikes around the trails in Bernie. I'm like, hey, that microbrewery's open today. The, the 
the free room. Let's go check it out. We get there, and the first thing I notice is half the people there. It's packed, hundreds of people. Yeah. Were you there for it? No, I didn't get to go to the opening. Well, half of them are wearing baseball jerseys, and I'm like, that's kind of weird. <laughs> so I go inside, and there's all these baseball bats in the case over the, you know, on the wall <laughs> yeah. by the bar. And and I think, oh, well, maybe he, it's a baseball theme, or, you know, because I've never yeah, been in there. Baseball. <laughs> yeah, so I like baseball, whatever. <laughs> so we go out, we get a beer, we go outside, Kim and I, and, and, uh, there's just nowhere to sit. And there's like this one little spot on a bench and a couple are sitting there already, but we're like, Hey, can we share this with you? And they're like, Oh, absolutely. And they've got baseball jerseys on. And I said, you know, at the risk of sounding kind of stupid, um, what's up with the baseball jerseys? And they're like, Oh, well, Jeremy, the owner, you know, he was a relief pitcher for the giants and, you know, won him a couple world series. And I'm like, <laughs> I go, isn't that the guy we met? You're like, I couldn't remember his name because I'm terrible with names. Right. I'm like, didn't we just meet? Isn't it was Jeremy, right? And he was like, yeah, yeah, that's him. And right about that time, they're like, oh my God, you know, you met him? And he comes walking by and we had just met him yesterday. And so yeah. he's like, oh, hey man, how's it going? I'm like, good, how are you? And he walks by and these people are so starstruck. They're like, oh, what was he like? What did he <laughs> say? You know, and I'm like, oh, he's just a cool dude, man. Just another yeah. guy that, you know, and that's the one thing, you know, I find with a lot of like going through all this yeah. is like, you know, we're sitting here talking about, and you've had a ton of success in, in your arena. I've had, you know, I feel like uh, I've had a lot of a success in yep. the arenas I've been, I feel like super blessed for op the opportunity you've been mm -hmm. afforded and the success, but then, you know, also it's funny how hard success is always follows the hard work. You know, yeah. it's a, it favors the hardworking, the luck. Yeah. Um, but like working, I, I was a crew chief for Michael Jordan's road race team for a couple of years, for three years and, uh, and got to know him a little bit and just a fantastic guy. I mean, and I, you know, I still talk to coaches. I still like, I, I love athletes. I, I love know, the yeah, human spirit. Too. I love all, you know, those things because mm -hmm. it's all about what we're talking it's about. It's all the same thing. Personal accountability, hard work, discipline, exactly. you know, like your passion, all these things that are keys to a, a, um, a happy, joy-filled life. Like having purpose is the number one thing and purpose and passion to me are like pretty much the same hand thing. In hand, yep. And so like talking to Michael Jordan about it, I'm like, you know, there's that, there's that common theme of, uh, in athletics, it's like, you get these players that are just supernaturally gifted. They don't develop a work ethic because everything comes easy. They don't have yeah. to work hard, but then without the work, there's no, uh, no real commitment. So when things get tough, they're just like, I'm done, you know, yeah. like, so you can have these really gifted guys but there's a problem with that, even though they might be better. If you get somebody that's just tough and willing to fight to the end at some point, they may just say, Hey, you can have it. It's just not worth it to me. Yeah. And then you get guys like me who didn't have a lot of genetic material, but was just like, I mean, when I'd go to bed at night, I would pray. I, I didn't, I wasn't arrogant or uh, I don't know what the word would be, but I, I wouldn't pray like, make me better. Just give me this talent. Just like wave your magic wand. What I prayed for is like, give me the strength to outwork my opponent. Cause I knew that was the key to success. Yep. It's like, just make me strong enough or give me the strength to work harder and longer and outwork. Cause I know if I can do that, then I can show up on Saturday and be successful. And so 
talking to Michael about that and knowing a little bit about his history. Um, yeah. And I'm not a basketball fan, but I mean, he's Michael Jordan. Everybody, you know, uh, <laughs> kind of like Jeremy Affel. But I didn't <laughs> yeah. know who he was. Uh, but I was like, it's interesting to me the level of success that he achieved in his arena but he didn't have that success off the bat. You know, he couldn't make his high school basketball mm. team. Yeah, isn't that a crazy cool story? It, it's the cool thing about it is if you think about it, he had to develop, he had the desire and the passion, but he didn't have the genetic gift and had to work. And then it's like he grew into himself and yeah. then the genetics kicked in. And now he's got, you got this genetically gifted athlete, yeah. but has already has the work ethic. So yeah. he had the two pieces of the puzzle. That if you look at in the athletic world, you usually fall into one or two categories. There are very few guys, I think, that fall into both. And probably a lot of very gifted athletes, if they hear this, are probably going to be like, oh, screw you. you know, Because <laughs> it is work. There's a lot of hard work. Well, there's, and Affeld was one levels. of that same deal. You know, he had like, he spent like six, five, six, seven years in the, uh, in the minors. Before you, really? yeah, I mean, because how many? I, I was one of the things that was really astounding. So about he was him. worn out by the yeah. time he got moved I mean, up, and he spent a lot of years in That's the pros, awesome. right? So it wasn't like a, you know, he spent five years in or something like that. I mean, he was a, a pitcher, dude. I yeah, and and then he came into his deal because it was it's a really cool story about his his whole deal. And one of the things that I asked him, I thought was really it was one of the coolest answers because I was I was just enamored with the his uh, the way he handled uh the adversity from the mound right because like it's one thing to be it's a lot know, of good. pressure dude. yeah but you're in the center right like you're yeah you have it's like why you like football right which you want to run it back because you want to have the ball if the ball then wanted the the pressure, yeah, yeah. you wanted the pressure right well that's the same thing for a pitcher is you are yeah. the pressure's you're on you guy. right and and um and so we talked about, you know, like, what was that like? And, you know, the mound in Boston and the vibration, like, holy smackers. I can imagine that level, right? And um, and I was like, so how do you mentally handle the fact of, like, somebody getting the bat on the ball? Like, if one, just, you know, knocks just one, drills like, one. drills one on you, like, what do you do? And he goes, <laughs> it, was, it was brilliant. Um, he goes, well, you know, they get paid pretty good money to be a good bat a batter. You know, they're they're good at what they do, too. Dang, man, I didn't even think about it. Right. You know, and then he goes back to the next ball. It's that mindset, right? That, you know, being being okay with the fact that, yeah. you know, it's not always gonna be, yeah. you know. Once again, that the yeah. failure it, it, it it's even. not even failure, but if you categorize it failure, it's not permanent. No. It's just that one it's and, and it's and part of the success. That, yes, it's part of this mm -hmm. every success story. And it doesn't define you unless you let it. You did not let those little setbacks yeah. define who he was as an elite athlete doing his thing. Yeah. And that's, I think that destroys a lot of people mm -hmm. is they can't let go of those little micro failures on your way to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, becoming another success story. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such good stuff, man. It is awesome. <laughs> I is love talking to, well, anybody that, you know, that's worked, through you know and and discovered some level of success in in something they're passionate about it's it's fun to see it too whenever you hear it from guys that um that I, you know i see this too that uh you can get into that grind you can get into that push you can get in that work and then you're defining yourself by somebody else's measuring stick 
and um and then you're never satisfied with it either right, right. that i think the one of the things that right. <laughs> i, I think is really important and it's really important for my boys to understand that you know your success you know you can dictate your success it, yeah. it you know you don't have to measure it you know i started out and i was running up right along with well, one of the guys that in our industry is Casey Deary. And I think he's an outstanding trainer and an outstanding showman who he's really, really good showman. And his, you know, his money earnings now are millions and millions. Right. Okay. And, um, and I kind of, mine was, you know, I kind of shut off from running the, in the big shows and, and now they get they're on TV shows now and all this other stuff. That's all kind of going crazy and black and like, I can sit in there and beat myself up a little bit where I'm like, if I just stayed right there, you know, I'd yeah. be right, you know, at that spot. You're and gonna look at both sides. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, that's part of having the worldview, right? Having yeah. a correct worldview of what's important yeah. and knowing that I had the joy in it. Like I, th that's my fallback, right? Yeah. Is that, you know, like, so that's cool. Like I, I could, and, and it's not, there's nothing keeping me from like, you know, having done that if I wanted to do that, but yeah. you know, but I would be really disgruntled if I didn't have the joy in it. Like yeah. I still have the joy in doing it. Yeah. I still enjoy it. And I love to see it in my boys, them understanding yeah. my daughter's understanding. There's got to be a joy in it. It's not just, you know, that the, yeah. the, the, the goal is finding your joy in it. Correct. It's not in the trophy or whatever else. And then we're all going to pursue the trophy. We all yeah. want it. I like that part too, you know, but that is, that's, well, that's, I mean, it's a healthy motivator. Sure. For, I mean, if, if there's a, a, a carrot at the end of the line that that's okay. I mean, as long as you realize that like you're competing against yourself well, and, there's no and, competition if we're all going to get yeah, the I want to be the best version of me every day. And if there's guys out there better than me that I can look up to and, yeah. and, and set as benchmarks, like, okay, I want to be better than that guy. And then you get there and you're like, okay, I'm well, then there's another right. guy. And in, in racing, I worked with a lot of young riders, some that became world champions, others that just raced pro and, and were great riders and great athletes. And, you know, when you're on a grid with 48 other racers of, you know, from factory to semi-factory to privateer and, you know, uh, these teams are pulling riders from all over the world to come in and ride their, you know, whether they're a factory or even privateer teams, you know, if they're well-funded, they'll get really good riders and have great equipment. And, you know, so if you go out in a, in a, in a grid of, of, of 48 riders and, 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 just to be there and be able to qualify and get out and compete is a huge big it's like dude you realize you're with you know you're you know how many people are watching this on tv and you're a gladiator in the arena doing the thing that they can only dream about doing for a multitude of reasons but at the end of the day i would always tell them i'm like so if you won today you would that would be the ultimate, like that would be, then everything would be good. You'd have that joy you're looking for. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay. So your best lap time this weekend is a 127.3. So if you came out here and ran 128.5 all weekend, but one, knowing you can do one, you know, like it's not your best, 
Like that would make you happy? Well, no, no. Like then who are you really competing against? You know, what's really, what is your yardstick or your metric for success? It's being the best version of you, becoming a better version of yourself. That's really every attempt. And road racing really helped me with that, you know, like that perspective. It's like, we're really competing against ourselves and Mm -hmm. trying to be the best versions of ourselves. And, and circumstantially, whoever shows up is just, that's just circumstance. Right. Right. So, and then if you want to like really go down the rabbit hole, it's like you can take Valentino Rossi and, you know, or other Ben Spees or other great racers or Michael Jordan or whoever, do you really believe there's not probably a better version of him somewhere in this world that never had the opportunity to go compete in that arena or didn't, Mm. you know, and I'm not taking away anything from anybody. I'm just saying, you got to have perspective being the best, like measuring yourself against everybody else. Who cares? Mm-hmm. Like ultimately all that matters is like you're evolving and becoming a better version of yourself. Right. And, and if you're, if you can put all those pieces together where you find your passion and your purpose and you're evolving and becoming a better version of you in every sense, not just, you know, I mean, you know, the, it, I know a lot of successful people. I wouldn't want to go have a beer with them. I wouldn't want to go break bread with them, have a meal. And uh, I think it was uh, JFK Jr. that said this, and I could be wrong. I just read this the other day, and I was like, wow. And what he said was, I know a lot of great men. I don't know any good men. Hmm. And you touched on it earlier too. And I think that's, you know, like there are multiple levels of success and things that we strive to be better at. But if you're not, if you're not finding your purpose, fulfilling that purpose and passion and trying to be the best version of yourself, being a loving father, being compassionate, being joy filled and sharing that with your family and everybody, because really you know, especially with what we're going through today, like you look at the world and I mean, I don't know about you, but I wake up every day and I read something and I'm just like, there's no way, there's no way that's real reality. That can't even be true. Like our own government, these are the people leading us. You know, I'm like, there's yeah. no way that this is happening. They're like, there's a level of stupid went to another notch again. And then I, and then I <laughs> realize I'm like, I've said this to myself every day for the last three years, six months into COVID, I was telling people, <laughs> These words, I would have a conversation. I would say, if these words were coming out of my mouth six months ago, I would have expected you to put me in the car and drive me to the loony bin. Yeah. Because I sound like a f- lunatic. <clears throat> like, I never in my lifetime, mm-hmm. I can't even, I could have never imagined where we are today from a level of leadership, what the, you know, and I don't even know who that is, to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, that's not the truth. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but where they're steering this ship mm-hmm. <laughs> is unfathomable to me. I, you know, so I, that's what I that's that goes right back to the the whole it, worldview it, worldview and inconsistency. Yeah. Right. 
Well, I, I hear a lot of inconsistencies yeah. in a, in a, like, oh, are you kidding me? Like and, the whole world right now is full of inconsistencies. And I would say none of it matters because yeah. at the end of the day, what we're talking about, just like who shows up for the race, who, how do you measure yourself? It's just me against me every day trying to be the best version of myself. But the only thing we can really affect is right here in front of us, mm -hmm. like being present with our family, our friends, anybody we come into contact with we're creating our own world and we really don't affect, we don't have an effect. I mean, I think about it all the time. What could I do to have an impact and be, there's just not a lot, you know, but I can love my kids. I can love my wife. I can mm -hmm. smile at people, say a kind word, you know, <clears throat> like do those things. And ultimately as I'm working on myself the whole time too, and trying to be the best for, you know, and that's somewhat selfish. I mean, I want to, because it, makes me feel good right you know i think that one of the things that i think is I, I love about doing this right is that um unlike what we are seeing on social media and whatever else this you know, false you know you know perfect world that we keep looking making it look like we're living in kind of yeah. deal. but um and which you know i have to admit like compared to what life is probably like in new york city and what life has looked like in probably like Connecticut or something like yeah. that. Like we're lit. We are kind of living in a pretty good world. Oh, we live in a bubble where we're in crazy yeah. bubble right now, but um, coming on a deal like this and, and actually being real. Right. I, I, I could care less if I have, you know, five people listen to this thing. And that's all there is. It's that there's five people that sit and listen to something that's actually real and you, realistic, right? You know what's funny is like coming over here, I was thinking to myself, you know, like, well, this morning when you text me, is because this was, we've been trying to get together for a long yeah, time. Yeah. And then it just right, kind yeah, of was like last time. minute. I was like, oh, I got a big day. I got all this <laughs> stuff going on. I'm like, I'm just going to tell him oh, I can't do it. And I was like, you know, I really want to do it. And, Probably my main reason for wanting to do it is because I wanted, I was curious as who, who is Todd Martin? Yeah. Like, I want to get to know you better. I, you know, we know each other a little bit, but yeah. I'm like, this will be a cool opportunity. And on the way over here, I'm like, I prayed on the way over here and I just asked God, I said, you know, make this productive and hopefully anybody that hears it, it can, no. it can mean something and in some small way, help somebody. Yep. And, and inspire or do whatever, you know, um, that's one thing I had a identity crisis. Uh, this is probably 2015, 2016, end of a certain uh, administration. Yeah. And we were, dude, I mean, I was shaking my change jar to pay my mortgage. I mean, I was like counting pennies cause it was so tight, you yeah. know, things financially, I'd never seen anything like it. You know, I'd seen this, right? I hadn't seen, yeah. you know, we were just stair stepping down and down and down, you know, and then got to a point and everybody's like, oh, it's getting better. I'm like, I don't think you're paying attention. It's not getting any better. It's just not getting any worse. We're right. just dragging along the bottom. That was my reality um, at the time. And, uh, you know, because I was still operating like it was. In, I was living in the past thinking mm. things were going to come back and yep. I've, oh, I've been through this before. It's just, right. It'll bounce back. And it yep. was not bouncing back. And then after eight years of that, like by the end, we were 
dragging along. Well, I took a second job. I hadn't worked for anybody in years and I was mm. adamantly opposed to it. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I always work for myself and, yeah. um, and, uh, one of my customers who I'd built a custom, uh, cafe racer for owned at the time, the Ducati shop in San Antonio. And we became friends through the process of building. Like you try the same with yeah, yeah. horses you train, you know, you, you, those people, or you don't do the work anymore. You <laughs> right. know, like uh, that's one luxury we have is we get to like, yeah, when it's good. Yeah. yeah. You can. It's like, yeah, yeah, this is great. We I got a great rapport. I like working for you. You're a cool guy. You're patient. You know, you understand not that we don't live in a perfect world, you know, and that's my clients, you know, yeah. things don't always happen. I'm like, oh, you know, in a perfect world, it'll happen like this, but don't be surprised if it's like four times longer. And, you know, like, yeah. they're like, yeah, yeah, I get it. And <clears> I've, we've been extremely blessed uh, from that standpoint. But after, um, after dragging along bottom for a while and realizing, man, we're in trouble. Uh, you know, we could end up losing things that we've been working on for yeah. a long time. And and a lot of people did were losing and, yep. and did lose. I'm like, I started to realize I got to do something different. I don't know what it is, but I'm, you know, after all these years, I'm starting to realize, yeah, you got to change the way you look at things. And the first thing I had to do was sh like, get a hold of our financial situation and, 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 you know, talking to Kim, she's like, well, what's that look like? I'm like, I need, you know, my time, I need to accelerate my time or slow down physically because every 30 days there's huge amounts of bills due, you know, yeah. like we have a monthly nut that we have to cover and we're not covering it. You know, we've exhausted our savings. We've maxed out the credit cards. We've done all this sure. stuff. And, uh, so I took a job, this guy, you know, we became friends. We'd go to lunch once a month. And every time we went to lunch, he'd offer me a job. And so sure enough, he called and, Hey, you want to go to lunch? And we were at lunch and he's like, you want to come to work for me? And I'm like, you know what? I would consider it, but I don't know if you can afford me, you know? And he's like, yeah. well, what do you, what would it take? And I'm like, well, it would take this. And he's like, I can do that. And so I worked for like a hundred hours a week. I ran our business and, and ran his service department. Uh, at the Ducati shop for a year and a half. But um, that was a turning point, you know, a low point, but right. also a great learning. And so we buckled down, we bought more equipment. I'm like, you know, if we're in the tank, we're going to, we're going to come out swinging, you know, and that's what we did. And that's what really catapulted our, what we're doing now forward was we got into doing CNC parts, our own manufacturing and things. So we can produce, you know, like I can design a part and then just go out and push a button and the machine just builds it, you know, and, and wow. it's super cool. Like Christian right now, before I left, I'm like, these, here's your programs, here are your offsets, materials in the shop go, you know, we need these fairing brackets cut, you know, okay, yeah. no problem. We need 48 of them, you know, for inventory. So he's out there busting those out right now, but it was a huge, you know, like to be broke and to be climbing out of that and go, okay, I'm going to spend large amounts of money uh -huh. as I'm climbing out of this, not because it's good timing, but because I don't ever want to be in this situation again. And yeah. I need to be the captain of my own destiny and take more control of this because up to that point I was working in motorsports, but when the economy turned teams started, you know, opportunity started dwindling. I yeah. always had a job if I wanted it, but 
they weren't paying the same as they were. You right. know, it wasn't, you know, things were because motorsports is a, well, it's a luxury and kind of like this is. Well, know. and that was the scary part is that the, in that time and in that frame, we were, and, and particularly even in the uh, the pandemic, it, you know, the whole scare for me was like, I'm, I'm recreation. Yeah. Like nobody needs this, right? No, nobody right. has to, you know, I'm not, I'm not making things as transportation to get to work. Yeah. You know, I am, <laughs> I am, I am recreation, right? Yeah. You know, and, and, and that was scary. I mean, yeah. it was really scary. And we had done, I had done the same thing. I'd hit a spot and it was, it was probably about 10 years ago that, you know, I was, I had hitched my wagon to a, a, a different deal and, and, and I had to like pull myself up from the very, but it made a difference whenever I knew, and I'm imagining you too, is that, you know, like there hit a point where you're like, you're, you're, you're sitting there and everything's kind of dropping, but you're like, ah, I can, you know, this is all right. It's not a bad deal. And I'm, I know, I know I can, you know, but then there was a, a another deciding point where I went, Holy crap, what am I doing? I'm sitting here waiting for everybody else to do something or, or waiting for something to happen. And like, I got to make it happen. Yeah. That's where I hate it happened. Like having that athletic oh, background. Crap. And all Was that, that not helpful? It's like it, when everything appears at its worst, the answer is always to work harder. Yeah. To double down. Yeah. To, you know, like there's only one, there's one way out. You got to fight your way out. I, mean, I can't sit and, there and wait on somebody else. I got to go do this. Correct. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's so I'm. Well, back in way up when we started this, you said about the academics and all that. I'm like, you know, for me, academics obviously are important. I, I have a degree in psychology, which I don't really use, uh, not in my day to day. I'm sure in some ways I do oh, yeah. and not even realize it, but yep. um, I basically am an engineer and that's what I was for race teams. And that's what, you know, I'm designing and programming. I build tools for the aerospace industry as well. You know, that's kind of our little icing on the side we don't do a ton of it but it is it's uh pays well and yeah and it's but like doing all that but it's because i wanted to it's not i'm not i'm not classically trained i don't have an engineering degree i didn't go to school to learn to program and design and run cnc equipment and do all this stuff but i i just sat down and was like well like everything else if you want it go yeah. get it you can figure it out and, you know, when I bought my CNC equipment, I didn't even know how to turn the stuff on. You know, I'm like <laughs> two months later, I'm building all these complex parts and, do, you know, people are like, whoa, I'm like, they're like, how did you do it? You know, I have friends that are in the business and they come over and they're like, how did you have time to, I'm like, it's what I do, you know, yeah. like, you just, I don't know. Uh, you know, how did you do all this? You, it's like, how did you not one step at a time, <laughs> one foot in front of the other. Oh, it's so important to know, you know too. Right. Even like, when I had my leasing company, I hated that business, but people, we were successful. We made a lot of money and people are like, how do you do it? What's the key to your success? I'm like, hmm. I'm always here at 8am when it says we're open at eight, I'm here. <laughs> and when the phone rings, I ask the person on the other end, how can I help you today? What can I do for you? And I mean it. And I mean it. <laughs> and I'm going to, and you're going to pay me for it. If that's, you know, if we can agree upon this, that, and I, there, I think there's one fundamental thing, like my, and it didn't matter whether it was racing or any other business or anything I do when I get into any situation and it always, it's not a perfect world. It doesn't always work out this way, but when I go in 
to any situation, I have to be able to see it, visualize how is this a win for you and a win for me? Hmm. And if a lot of times it's like, well, I see this as a win for me, or I see this as a win for you, but that's just going to, somebody's going to leave here with hurt feelings and a bad taste in their mouth. And Mm -hmm. there's no future in that. So I don't really want any part of it. But if I'm like, yeah, I think we can both come away with a win. You know, like if you approach situations like that in business, I think it's important too. Yeah. Very important. Like, yeah, I can do this thing for you. And, and even though it feels like it's going to hurt when you're making the decision where you you don't want, yeah, right. And I just can't. And man, I've done stuff for people where I'm like, here's a good faith. I think I can do this for you. I think I can meet your objective and your goal. And, and here's an Excel spreadsheet. Here's all the stuff, you know, that I think it's going to take to meet that goal. You know, and these are projects that take sometimes a year, year and a half, whatever. It could be a race team budget for a year. It could be a custom bike. That's going to take two years to build or whatever. And in my estimation, this is what it's going to be. And I've done that for customers. Well, the guy that owned Ducati, I, (laughs) I sat down and I'm like, yeah, this bike you want is very special. And I'm going to have to build every component of it, you know? So, and, and, and trying to, in my best estimation, it's going to be $87,000 to do that. And um, so, okay, let's do it. All right. So we start this build and it starts, you know, it's not a straight road. It's a curvy road. And so time, uh, materials things like started escalating and i had he was paying me draws to keep the work going and we got to the end of the project and this is not the only time that i've been in a similar situation and like okay the work's complete i've delivered you're you know hopefully Project. you're happy yeah. i have three invoices for you this is the invoice that i said that I was going to charge you for this work and the part, that's what I thought it would take. This is the invoice that it actually, like this is the real time and materials invoice that, that took, that was, I want to say it was (laughs) $108,000. And this invoice is right in the middle of the two. You you either take the one that, you know, we, you know, cause I told you this is what it was going to take or you meet me halfway and eat half the bullet <laughs> or you're so happy with what we've done <laughs> and you see the value in it and you feel good about it. Then you, you, you pay and make me whole. And, you know, it's a scary thing to do, but yeah. I, but then I can walk away no matter what happens, feeling good about where I'm at in the whole deal. Yeah. And yeah, and then I've always like I've been blessed because people the people I've done business with have always gone, No, I you know, Paying I see you everything you've done. Yeah. I'm and I'm happy with the outcome and excited and I want to make sure if we want to do it again that you, you'd a, be happy to do that's, it again. But that's a smart way to do it too. And a lot of times, you know, that's not something that's taught necessarily in how to conduct a business well. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a learned, I, learned deal, you know, I, I would call that like, that's one of those, that's just using your moral and ethical compass. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and having empathy, how would I feel if I was the guy on the other end of this? Yeah. 
and I don't know how he's going to feel. I don't know how excited is he about the work. I don't know how, you know, like there are things I can't make those decisions for him. I can just, but I can be aware, but morally and ethically, and there's two sides to it. Yeah. I have to give him that because that's, that was the, that was the agreed upon price, but I also have to give him the full price because I have a moral and ethical obligation to my family yeah. and myself. Yeah. And I'm hoping. And he won't appreciate it if I don't show him the difference yeah. in the two. Right. Yeah. And I think that's, so that was the same thing for me in the horse industry. Like um, when I, I remember at the beginning of my, my work that um, <clears throat> one of the hardest things that I had um, to do, and I, <laughs> I had a hard time doing it was calling to collect on payment. Oh, uh, you know, like, holy crap. And, the and it's the last thing I wanted to do. Right. And it was really, really hard for me to, to, to do it. And, and, um, and when I started to have a family, right. And, and it was, it was just me working. Um, and I was, you know, I was doing well enough that my wife didn't have to work. And so it was really kind of a, it was, well, didn't have to work. She still, she worked, uh, you know, she, she worked, you. she did. Yeah. She yeah. run the, she run the book part of the business and took care of all that. And, yeah. And that was a lot of work. There was a lot of stuff that, that, you know, you have, she didn't have to go to a nine to five. Oh no. I mean, but you, she had you have work. 40 head of horses in training. There's yeah. a whole lot of phone calls yeah. and paperwork. But, um, I remember, um, when it clicked for me and it was like, you know, so I am the representative of this household, right? My kids don't get a say. So, and when, when somebody's calling me and trying to negotiate, you know, pay, payment or trying to negotiate, you know, price of training or trying to negotiate what, what exactly they should. And I was always kind of a, you know, the hard part was that I, I liked what I was doing so much that I probably would have done it for free. Yep. That's right? me too. And that that's... was the hard part. It's like, I really was like, oh man, I just, you know, I don't want to lose that horse. I'm okay. You know, like, well, and you don't want to go back to like, work yeah. at a nine to five yeah, either. So I know. Like, as long as I can keep the doors open. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I did that right in there. And then I realized like, man, like my kids, I am the representative of this household. And if I'm not willing to call and do that and do the collections, like who else would be, you know? And when you're negotiating on what the price is, like you're negotiating off of what I can offer for my kids yep. and, and my family. And it's like, wow. So now there's a perspective, yeah, a different perspective on it. And then it was like, so. Hey, and, and, but you know, I never come in as a heavy, I always come in as like, you know, so, Hey, I understand things go wrong. Things happen. Right. Let's make this right. And let's work it out. I got a problem with it, yeah. you know, but we got to do something, yeah. you know? And, and I never had, I, I really, I got, I think in my most, I think I, I can only recall like two times that I really kind of got stiff. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I'm sure you find yourself in the same position that I find myself in sometimes too, because you're, I mean, and I hate this word, but at least when you're an expert at your field, like in what you do, <laughs> yeah. and you get a customer that comes in and says, this is what I want. And you're like, that's not what you want. Yeah. Like you talk yourself out of jobs because yeah. I, I like, I do that. I have horses that, you know, they're, and it's hard because it's, it's, uh, it's their baby, you know, it's, yeah. it's their, it's their, you know, you know, oh, no. favorite horse yeah. or whatever. And it's the same thing, I'm sure, with nostalgia. The and nostalgia. Yeah. This is what I grew up with. And it was, it was, it was my dad's. Yeah. This. yeah. Oh, yeah. And yeah. and so then, you know, there's a heavy weight that goes on to you know, work in those. But also there's a there's a time where you got to go like, dude, you know, this is yeah. just. 
and what you hope and dream for this horse is just not what his hopes and dreams are. Oh yeah. He's not going to cooperate. I've heard, I've hurt some guys feelings and not intentionally, but you no. know, just, you know, somebody comes to you and says, Hey, uh, I got this and this is what I want to do. What do you, you know, what do you recommend? I'm like, put that on Craigslist and get rid of it. Yeah. And let's like talk about a real plan or something like yeah. something that's worth your while and will net you the result. I mean, that's, that's the thing. That's it's a hard deal. You know, especially with the emotional stuff. Yeah, yeah, dude. But, but at the same time, you, you, you go down the road and then you realize, you know, like back to a win-win, if we're going to have a win-win, you know, you can't bring me a Volkswagen bug and hope you're going to end up with a Lamborghini. Right? <laughs> I do that. I do that with people that I've asked, I've had people ask me, it was like, so, you know, can you, can you, can you make this horse, you know, one of the, a great horse. And it was like, you know, you can, you can, I, I could be the best race car driver of all time, but if you give me a Volkswagen bug, I'm never <laughs> going to be able to show my abilities. Right. So if you're giving me a great horse, a nice horse, but it's not of a world-class caliber, yeah. it's called a horse show, not a Todd Martin show, right? right? So I have to have the product yep. in order to do that. So it's the same thing. You got to have, have the, the building blocks. Got to have the building blocks, you yeah. know, in order to be to be competitive in it. Yeah. You know, you you can't can't go in there with something that's not competitive and expect yeah. to to come out. Yeah. And and there's cool life lessons in that too, yeah. you know. And it's always good too. Whenever you're starting off, with, I would imagine with a build, if it is emotional and whatever, and it's yeah. my dad's hand down or whatever else, it's going to cost you a lot more. But if we're yeah. on the same page, and it's worth it to you, so like that's what I tell people when I'm training the horse. Like, look, yeah, what's your expectation? Yeah, what are your expectations? And if you want to make the best horse that he can be, I'm like, dude, I'm all for it, you know. Yeah. But that it costs the same. It costs the same. Hundred percent. I'm like, you want me doing it? That's fine. And I, and you know what? I appreciate that, right? Yeah. And I, I, it's there's there's some uh, there's a luxury to the fact that if, you know, like I may not even have to go show this horse, and I mean, yeah. but I can make it a really nice horse. And it's like, man, we're getting to do it for the right reason, and it is kind of the yes. right reason, right? You yeah. know? And if it is, it's restoring my dad's old bike, and it was, yeah. you know, we're doing something that means something to me, and 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 I now like I get the yeah. pride in pushing into it to make it the best that it is. There's a lot to that, and there's a lot of value in that, yeah. and it's value that can't be necessarily seen by somebody else, right? You know, well, and that's part of that whole how do you visualize a win win? Yeah, is helping define the expectations going into any relationship, whether it's a horse or a bike or a, a race team. You know, a lot of times yeah. I'd get these wealthy dads that you know are funding a race team for their kid and a lot of those yeah. race teams are like yeah i'm going to put up millions of dollars to form a race team and partner with a manufacturer they're going to put two you know ringers on the team mm -hmm. so it's going to be a viable and the whole reason i'm doing the whole thing is so my kid can be the third rider on the team yeah and and then they're like this is what i expect and it's like, yeah, that's never going to happen. Mm. Like you have to have reasonable expectation. And if yep. you can, you know, sometimes it's like, just, it just takes a conversation and go, well, realistically, this is what I see happening. This is the result you'll probably, you know, we can attain yep. this result with these resources and with what we've got to work with. Not to say that that's next year's result. Like we can, it's something you can right. always build on it, but like coming out of the box, what I see the materials that are available, what we're working with and right. our resources, this is where we're going to end up. If you're good with that and that's a win for you, 
Well, and then, then I, I win too because we exactly. achieved that goal. Exactly. And I do that with I do that with the kids and and the parents that are wanting to buy them. You know, I mean, these reining horses ain't cheap. Right. And it's a different league of, of stuff, too. And so, you know, for, you know, growing up, like my parents would have never spent that kind of money on a horse okay. and stuff. And and if it is because you need to go win a national championship, look, we're, it's going to be a, a deep pocket and a lot of running up and down the road and it's going to cost. Right. Yeah. But if we're doing it to give your son or daughter the skills through competition, hard work, um, you know, finding failure in it and realizing that they can work hard and achieve to their best of abilities how to perform in, in front of a judge, perform in front of a group of people that whenever your kid goes and he's, you know, running a business, he knows how to address a board. He will know how, he knows what pressure's like. If you see the value in that, dude, we're on. Yeah. I mean, like we are yeah. on and I will pour into that kid and I will do that kind of stuff, but you got to keep, it's got to be the right thing, yeah. right? It's got to, it, you got to see the value in what I'm putting into it. Right. And it's, I'm, I'm aiming for that trophy, yeah. right? I mean, I'm game for aiming for the trophy, right? But we need to know where the real reward is at, right? right? And if we do that, like, it, it's like your high school coach, right? That how much he poured into you, man, that is, that's a legacy changing deal. Right. Absolutely. You, when you step into. Man, oh, the impact that has had on me generational that, than it had on my kids. And that it's going to have on, you know, like that's an investment right. that goes on. It's generation generational. Yeah. And, and, and that's, you know, going back to the reward and, mm -hmm. and, and success and wealth and all these things, the metrics have been so messed up for so, you know, mm -hmm the reward isn't the trophy it you know like mm -mm. those same riders that would be like oh but i want to win i'm like who won the championship three years ago uh uh yeah you don't you don't even you know don't even know and guess Name what one of the guys top no, 10 last year nobody cares no nobody, yeah it doesn't matter no. like what you're learning the experience all the other stuff mm -hmm. that we gain through the process and if you're enjoying it, if you can find the joy in it, man, you're winning every outing. You I know? remember there was a guy that had won the Futurity um, <laughs> like way back. And uh, and he was pretty much an older dude at the time that I met, got to know him and stuff. And and uh, and and it he uh, he laughed because he lost his uh, his random horse Futurity buckle. In his divorce, in no. his divorce, his wife, his wife wanted his to hurt wife him. Took his buckle, yeah. and and he was like, "But she can't take my dream, you know. <laughs> she couldn't take my memories. I still had them, and right. she can have that buckle, but she doesn't have the memories that had the buckle." Yeah. And it was like, man, it was such a good perspective on it. Yeah. You know, it was the trophy, and she yeah. took it and stole it. But it was like, it was really true, you know. Yeah. It was the, you know, he got to take that with him, you know. So funny. That was one thing, you know, like <laughs> my mindset when I was younger, uh, like awards and trophies and plaques and things like that, I would throw them away instantly. I'd be like, hmm, cool. And people are like, why don't you keep that? It's so cool. I'm like, because it doesn't matter tomorrow. What are we going to do tomorrow? Yeah. I don't want to get fixated on anything that was in the yeah. past and holding on to it so tightly that I miss the opportunity for something yeah. that's coming. I want to spend all my attention and focus on that. As I get older now, you know, 
there's there's stories that go along yeah you know my wife dug out all my bowl jerseys a couple years ago and had them framed for me and i'm like (laughs) okay that's kind of cool i like you know like because it reminds me that you know yeah but even with my own kids like i didn't tell them uh none of them knew that i played football in college and when devin uh our second to the oldest Mm -hmm. um started playing football and kind of excelling at it. I was like helping him out and coach him a little bit and, you know, just giving him pointers and everything. And how do you know some? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, you know, here's the deal. You know, I, I did this for a while too. And I really loved it. But for me, I, I keep bringing this up, like finding your passion. I'm like, yeah. I see so many dads going that had unfulfilled dreams you know Mm -hmm. in athletics or whatever it is you know but i see it a lot in athletics where they're like they just drive their kids into these sports and training and all this stuff and just burn them out and and it's not there's never going to be a reward there if there's never any passion there's never going to they're never going to excel because i really there's no way to achieve greatness at anything without passion Mm -hmm. and and so for me that raising my boys, that was always the number one thing for me. It's like, I don't care what you do, play guitar, paint a picture, ballet, you know, swimming, biking, football, you know, I don't care what it is, what your jam is, but find it. Right. And when you find it, I'm going to support you in it 1000% because that is the key. That you know, the key. to joy and success is just, you know, you going back to like when you were like, yeah, I really want to do this. And, you know, your, your dad not completely being on board with that. Like, hey, mm-hmm. dude, you know, you have responsibilities. You need to get your life together, blah, blah, blah. You know, I've experienced a lot of the same stuff. You mm-hmm. know, when I was younger playing football, I was like, oh, don't put all your eggs in one basket. You know, this is, you know, that that's not going to go too far. Well, then it paid for my college. Yeah. You know, that's a big deal. And my parents were like, well, that's cool. I was the youngest of five. You know, it was like, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of nice. We didn't have to, you know, and, you know, my to my older brothers and sisters credit, they they paid for most their most of their college themselves anyway. But but my parents did have to help. And, you know, it's stressful for everybody, I think. But right. But, um, yeah, it, it, well, I think, I think it's important for dads nowadays to realize that the biggest contribution you can do and be for your sons is just present. Oh yeah. I mean, that's just, that's it. Right. I mean, and, and I, I, I told my wife that, you know, she, you know, she, you know, wants to pour into him so much on so many different things. Right. And, and, you know, trying to make sure that they get the best education and the best opportunities and best this and the best that and best of whatever else. And Moms I, are good like oh, that. Oh, they are good like that. And they're so dedicated and pushed so hard on to get, you know, to trying to do that. And, um, and, <laughs> and, and, and why won't they listen to me? <laughs> <laughs> but I tell, I told, I told so. my wife, it was like, you know, but if it's God's plan for my son to be a doctor, I'm not going to be able to stop him from being a doctor. Right. So why am I pushing so hard? Right. To do that. I, I just keep and my dad was super good at it. I mean, he was outstanding at it. He let me try everything. 
everything. And he was willing to go along with whatever it was. That's awesome. You know, he ran, he, he, uh, he started me riding, he bought me my first dirt bike when I was, before I was even five years old. I mean, riding a dirt bike on the front with him. And we did, I mean, like, and all the way to the point of, um, uh, I ran my first, uh, triathlon when I was, um, probably like 20 i was in the military and i was stationed up in lubbock he drove all the way up to lubbock and trained down here and drove all the way up to lubbock to run my first yeah to do my first one with awesome right and like he he ran some but he wasn't doing any other stuff and 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 then uh and when i got got into the horses he he bought a horse and he bought a trailer because he knew I couldn't afford to do any of that stuff. And I mean, but he stood behind me and whatever it was, and that wasn't his passions on any of that mm-hmm. stuff, but he was present, right? No matter what, he was present on all that stuff. And it ended yeah. up being like, and he ended up being like my best man in my wedding. Yeah. I mean, it was just, you know, it, it, it was, he, and, and that's where I find that I'm, I want, I, I got a little sidetracked where I was trying to make my kids do the things that I that I was doing like come on let's go and do and then it's like oh my god I'm doing the same like yeah. I'm doing what I did what I didn't want to do so I'm like okay so what is it what do you want to do where's your passion you know it's right now it's I'm out in the front yard throwing a discus and a in a shot put and you know playing you know doing some football with my youngest mm-hmm. son and you know and track with my daughters and volleyball and it's just you know it's like oh, you know what I, I, I keep all I got to do all I got to do is I got to be there I yeah. mean, when they're in the practice, as long as they can look over at the side and see yeah. that I'm there and whatever, you know, like that's the important. Well, to help them establish, you know, like the whole idea that through that, through all those things, they're becoming a better version of themselves. Yeah, exactly. Like, and so, and it translates into everything you do. And so you invest the time in whatever they're passionate about and in realizing that this could be six months, a year, it could be the mm. rest of their life, whatever. It's a generational I mean, impact. Yeah. That you're teaching them those things and instilling that it, the importance and the value of that investment. So when they have their own kids, they, they invest, you know, um, that's, um, my wife's family is so incredibly close, like unbelievably close. Like when we first moved in together, she was, you know, pregnant and, and, um, <laughs> we're talking to her parents and they live in Montana and they're like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we were remodeling the house we were in and it was work, you know, it was, and yeah. she was pregnant and there was all this, they're like, oh, well, we'll just come down and help, you know, I'm like win and they're like uh we'll be there in two days i'm like what you know that's a 24 hour drive they were there in two days and they stayed and that was like when i first really started getting to know them but then you know over the past 20 years um just incredible value but i look at gary kim's dad as the patriarch of this family and he established things and she has Kim has a sister and a brother and they are the kindest, most loving, helpful people. But I look at Gary and Ailita, Kim's mom, and they taught them Mm -hmm. and they taught them through being present Mm -hmm. and being on their team and always being there for them. Like, and so it's an interesting thing that happens. Then you know, a few years pass by and like, what are you guys doing? Oh, we're trying to get the shop repainted and epoxy the floors because they had a big automotive place. And we're like, huh, what are we doing for spring break? It's a week from now. 
you guys want to go to Montana and help grandma and grandpa with the shop? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. You know, and then it's, it's like, it starts this crazy, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something that you just don't see. It's very rare these days to see t- tight family that work together and, you know, um, I know Andrew Tate's super controversial, but I, there was a little thing I listened to. He was talking about friends, his friends making fun of him when he was younger. Yeah. And it was really making fun of kind of more of a Western uh, cultural lifestyle. Like, you know, like, and it was like more of an Eastern philosophy making fun of a Western philosophy saying, yeah, you guys are crazy. You know, you idiots, you get, you turn 18, you move out of the house, you, go buy a house, get a mortgage, you know, like you're instantly in debt for the rest of your life and behind <laughs> the eight ball. You know? And you're like, yeah, that really is weird. You know, like we do do that where it's like me and my brothers, we buy a house, you know, we each buy a house, but we all live in one and rent all the <laughs> others out and we build together like yeah. on a finance, you know, and that's one thing we have a pretty, you know, with four boys and Kim and I, it's like, yeah, I don't ever see us not being on their team especially with the way things are going now it's like how do you get skin in the game mm-hmm. you know and going back to earlier you, you taught your dad talked about like hey when i was your age it's like hey when my mom was a single mom uh when i was young and um you know i was probably how old was i seven years old so this was 1975 we were in oregon and she bought a brand new house in a nice upper middle class or maybe not upper but middle class neighborhood three bedroom two bath two car garage fenced yard all this brand new construction subdivision yeah twenty two thousand dollars she was a bookkeeper single mom Hmm. and she could afford to do that you know go dude like i look at our kids today this is a conversation i have a lot because i got a lot of nieces Mm -hmm. and nephews that are the same age they're college age or just out of college or or just finishing high school it's like all these kids need, to, oh, sorry, that's right. Need to, at some point, are going to need or want to buy property. Like, how do you get invested in the game? And yeah, like you have to have assets to kind of have some kind of yeah. financial security, stability, whatever. And it's just like, yeah, I mean, even when we bought houses, it was hard, man. You got to come up with twenty grand, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, how do you save twenty grand? Like I look at kids today, now they got to come up with 50, a hundred grand. And God, it's insane. you know, it's like, how are you going to save even 10 grand? Like with what the, the cost of everything is today. I know. And I'm like, yeah, dude, we, we have to change our philosophy. I think too, as we move forward and as parent, well, your kids are a little younger than mine, mm-hmm. but it's going it, to, as time goes on, you're going to be like, yeah, how are we going to do this? Oh, I've, I've already planned for it. I've, I'm building a, two bedroom apartment up above the barn and so you know so i'm laying i'm it's in my of, shop we have a loft we're gonna right? do you know like that's so i create that right and and create a, the opportunities but it doesn't come with without work yeah doesn't come without you know yeah. like you don't get a free ride in that house right. you don't get to get a you know right. those but, but but if they don't have to pay rent mm-hmm. so they can live you got an apartment for them on your property mm-hmm. you got and that's so we're on the same yeah page. exactly like, it's like how do we hack this system like mm-hmm. how do we get ahead or help our kids because neither of us are independently wealthy nope. i mean i don't think so nope. i mean i'm definitely not um <laughs> but how do we get our the like generationally mm-hmm. how do we do that and establish you and and so you know like 
having some land, having some real estate, having some things to pass along, but also help you get invested and start your own. Yeah. Um, I'm you not going to give you a handout, but I'll give you a hand up. Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely. Yeah. You know. Like that's the thing that's. And so we tell our boys the same thing. It's like, there's always room in this house. There's always food in the refrigerator. There's always whatever you need. You know, I can't go out and just do all this stuff for you, nor would I, if I could, or I hope I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't want to, you know, um, because that the value of all that comes from earning it. And, you know, my granddad used to always say that anything worth having is worth working for. It's true though. You know, that's you know, it's true. And, it, and, 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 you know, I think that's the, that's the sad part about, you know, I think what the world and the worldview nowadays is, you know, everybody thinks they deserve it. Everybody thinks that, and, and it's just such a lie, you know? And I think that lie is whenever we have allowed, when we have allowed others to fill the role of father. Oh yeah. We yeah. have allowed, we've allowed the, the, the government and we have allowed other people, things and other people to 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 espouse to our kids what is true and what is right instead of instead of you well, know stepping up in the role i think that's the whole role of being a dad and the whole role of being a leader not even a dad to our own but you know but being that leader in in your community and in your group that you know you stand up and you do you do the right things and you do the right things in front of other people so that yeah. you know they see that you know you're you're you know, it's funny, like with everything today, all kind of you know, like we're so divided, like mm. across. I mean, in so many ways, and I don't want to get off track onto all of that, but it's funny because when you really look at, you know, you look at a lot of young people that are that have this entitlement, but they're also, you know, they're at university, they're driving a new car, they got a twelve hundred dollar cell phone and a thirty five hundred dollar MacBook Pro, mm. and they got all this stuff, you know that their parents have paid for through capitalism. Um, you know, I think, you know, there are, if you look at our society and what's going on all around the world, yes, like many things, if you abuse a system, it can be corrupt and ugly and dirt. Like, you know, it's these huge corporations that, uh, you know, don't pay pay their fair share. You know, they 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 mm -hmm. rape and pillage and and destroy and and don't protect the environment and do, you know, just be a good steward, right? Of of these things, like not looking forward and like, hey, you know, we don't want to destroy that because it's not mine to destroy, and somebody may mm -hmm. need it later, and that. Yeah. But you know it's funny because like you and I are capitalists, but we're small business owners. What the, we make the world go round. I mean, mm -hmm. all the small businesses, we're not making tons of money. We're not, you know, and most of these kids at college, their parents are similar to us. They're not when, you know, when you, people talk about elite in, in these corporations and the, in the, things that are that have corrupted the idea of capitalism and kind of made it an ugly thing mm -hmm. it's uh it's not their parents and the things no but i see these kids where and it's crazy they're you know they're raised 
you know, similar to how we're raising our kids and they go off to the university and then they just ex, you know, they, they cut their family off because of what they're learning at the university. And mm -hmm. now they're evil and you're a part of a system that's terrible and all these things. I mean, I've, I, in the last three years, I've met a number of families that are, you know, parents that are my age or a little older. And I'm like, you know, get to know them. It's like, Oh, you know, it's the holidays, you know, sorry, you, you know, I know they have kids. They've mentioned them I'm like, Oh, your kids coming home. You get together with your kids. Oh no, they don't talk to us anymore. Mm. I'm like, what do you like? I can't even imagine that, but I've seen enough around where I'm like, Oh wow. They're, you know, to me anymore, you know, higher education, even public school, like all the stuff we're seeing, it's like, it's like an indoctrination camp. Man. It really it's, is. It's, it's the, it, you know, like I put, but I think that's, that is where that, that is where I think we can make a difference, right? Not because um, I'm going to go into academia because for one, I don't belong there. <laughs> yeah. But oh, the other is that, um, the only thing that's going to make a difference, right, is men who have made a difference speaking up and talking about the truth of that, right? It's not somebody, you know, I, I, uh, my first tendency is to um, shut the gate out front and forward up and bunker down, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, protect mine and take care of that. But in reality, that don't, that, that doesn't, that's a safe place. Nope. Right? Kim and I just and talked about this. It is not it is not the right place. Don't build a higher fence, build nope. a bigger table, man. Exactly. And and that is going to make the difference, right? Mm -hmm. That inviting inviting and and I have always been willing to, you know, step into the hard stuff. Yeah. Right? I've always been willing and that's that's what's made us, you know, successful in our own rights of what we've done is that we've never shied away from the hard stuff, but you step into the hard stuff. Yeah. Right? And and you embrace it. And and that that's the fallacy of the world right now is is everything in the in the world right now is talking about you know stuff that does not line up with truth it does not line up with reality the reality is is that nowhere in society is anybody as a government or has a has a group of people just handed shit to you right it's no, unsustainable it, I mean. it's it's unsustainable it and and they promised that doesn't mean that they haven't promised it but they've never come through with it, right? And no one has ever gone and gotten better from it, right? It all ends. We have to look at the end game yeah. and not at the immediate, right? And um, and the only ones that are talking about this euphoric type of deal are ones that have not accomplished anything. Right. Well, they've never worked a day in their life. They yeah. haven't. They, they have successful business. They thought about it, yeah. right? And they've got this idea, but not a darn one of them have ever put it to work, no. right? So those those who are doing have to take up that little bit more of that responsibility and the thing is that we're the usually the guys who are willing to get in there and get dirty anyhow yeah right and so and hence the reason for this for having the the, the a, a podcast that hell i don't know a couple hundred people might listen to yeah you know what but it, it's where it starts yeah it's well, where it starts so that was my, it's the only way you can make a difference yeah. so if you can inspire one person and create you know get somebody thinking about and truth is infectious man 
Oh, it has a gravity. It has it. It does. And and it is not something, you know, you can see it. You know, we can talk about hypothetically all day long. But when, you know, when the, when it comes to, you know, nut cutting. Yeah. It, it, the one stands out and, and the other will fold. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's all, those things are temporary. They're fads. They're, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're not, uh, well, and they're unsustainable. They're, well, and the only time that evil, you know, succeeds is when good men do nothing. Yeah. Well, and that's, we live, oh, it's such a weird time that we're living in mm -hmm. too, though, because the world just seems so vast and big and, and you know, it's like, well, what do you do? Where do you go? And that's why I say, well, the only thing I can really affect is right, right here, here in your backyard, in my backyard, my local, in my vicinity, mm -hmm. family, friends, community, uh, and do that. Um, and it's, you know, it's discouraging if you turn on the news and you look and listen to all that stuff. But I, I truly, in my heart, believe that it's a much smaller group. Mm -hmm. Like the things that are being, when you look at what, what's going on or the perception of what's going on, um, it, 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 that, that doesn't sit well. And you're like, mm -hmm. that doesn't seem good. You know, that's really a good point. I, I don't think, I, I truly believe that, that there are the majority of people want some very basic things they want they want opportunity to make a better life yep they want just a, a sense of security stability you know those things that's why you know when trump ran for office the first time i mean he doesn't have the greatest personality <laughs> he does you know he's not uh, silky smooth uh, smart, but, but he's a dipshit. What's that? Is he smart, but he's a dipshit? Yeah, he just doesn't come across all the time so no. great. But here's the thing, like back to the athletics and all that. It's it's, uh, you know, as a, if you have a coach that comes into the locker room and says, "You guys all suck. You didn't earn any of this. You're going to lose every time." You know, you know, like that's not going to motivate anybody to so, be their best and to get up and try to make the best of their situation. That's going to motivate you to not participate. You're like, well, I don't even want to do this. If that's, you know, but, but when you get that coach that tells you anything's possible with hard work, we can be the greatest, you know, like it's an inspiration. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, Kim was like, Oh, this guy, you know, and I'm like, yeah, but listen to what he's saying. Mm. Simple, make America great again. Well, you know, I think it's I the think... idea that we can, you know, like we can all be great and together we can be even greater. You know, it's like, it was a very simple thing to me. And it's something we hadn't heard in a long time No, from the leadership in this country. Well, it's... I think it's important for like uh, the depiction of me and you, right? Graying white men right. <laughs> so the thing that we have to understand i see you see the same thing the same way because we've had kind of a similar path throughout life and we've had success in what we've done and whatever else and what makes me want to the things that i'm seeing and the situations that i'm seeing makes me want to get angry right is not going to win a thing right 
what we have to do and what we need to do is we need to know what it is that inspired us to do what we did, right? And what did, what, what made us want to and go and do and succeed in the where that where we have and get to where we had have gone is because we saw the joy in somebody else. We saw the joy in the competition. We saw the joy in the reward, right? And we saw that the hard work had a finish in it. We saw the fun in doing it. And we have to make that part infectious for the young. Not that it's another place where we're standing angry and yelling at each other, but that we don't have that, right? That we reflect the joy in what we've done. We reflect the joy in the accomplishment that we had. And we will cause those same young people to have a desire to do something and be something. Why? Because right now we see these kids finding their identity in this mad and angry kind of deal. Yeah. And they're, they're finding, they don't know where their identity is at. And so they're latching on to something as an identity. And do you want to be identified with somebody as being angry, mad, and ugly that's yelling at the other one that's being mad and ugly? Or do you want to be along the team with the people who have found the joy in life and what they're doing and finding finding joy and finding love and, and, and passion for what they do and love and passion for their family and who they are. Yeah. And that's, we're not seeing that. Well, and that's the only way I know how to do it is just to do it. Like yes. to be a lead by example. Exactly. Right? But I totally get why young people are where they're at today. Yeah. It's demoralizing. It's like, hopelessness mm -hmm. like where do we go what yeah, but do we it doesn't do? look i mean that's what it's all shown is that it looks hopeless it, right? but it's not and yeah, that, exactly yeah and that's the thing it, it, that's what i loved about trump he gave people hope the people that would listen to what you know mm -hmm. it's like but then i look back at the first three years of his administration and that simple message and the things that he was doing at the time you know and i'm dude i'm not i don't know anything about politics or you know global politics. i don't care because to me it's all a bunch of bs anyway what so really matters yeah i mean to be honest with you i never voted before i voted for trump he was the first candidate because i always looked at it like i'm like why would you they're all a part of the same <laughs> you know this uniparty Holy it's, crap. A, it's always been a uniparty it's party. a group of well, old people that's the craziest part this, like, by the how time many of them are older than 60 years old by the time <laughs> i was old enough to vote i'd already made this observation it's like well we have these problems and we don't like these things and we want them to change and the other party says if we elect them they'll change them yeah. but the problems remain the same, same and never get solved and they just keep going along the same track meanwhile they're lining it their doesn't pockets. matter now Things changed a little bit during the Obama administration. And I know there were a lot of horrible administrations before that. Sure. But it was never more visible to me, like what was going on in the systematic tearing apart of our society values, beliefs. Like, I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Like, this is deliberate and not good. And now it's gotten to where it's just, it's, it is just bold and brash and in your face, yeah. unapologetically yeah. lining your pocket with, and just like, yeah. huh, well, so what? We're like untouchable on it. It's insane. Yeah, it is insane. And the idea that, I mean, I, I mean, who's not getting it? I don't, I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. if you're paying attention to what's going on, like, 
I mean, you got an agenda. If you don't get, if you're not getting it, you got an agenda. I mean, like yeah, there's, there's absolutely. something else going on in what you're doing. Well, there's and, a lot of agendas from yeah. top to bottom right now. Well, there's a lot of detachment from reality. Yeah. Well, and that's, yeah, yeah. If they, if they, if they were operating on fact and logic and that was the basis mm -hmm. of the, the, the discussion and the, they'd be like, yeah, yeah, we can't, this is unsustainable thinking. We can't like, it's illogical. We yep. can't go down this path any further. But, you know, just from, you know, the way I look at it, it's like we, you know, we are capable of anything. We can make whatever we want. We are creating this world we're living in. Mm. And it's like, you know, watching the attacks on Trump. And I don't care who it is. It doesn't matter. Just a guy who was the supposed leader, because I don't even believe that our president is the leader of anything, um, you know, really, truly. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that's quite evident that, that, nowadays yeah that was going you know like yay let's go let's do something great let's yeah be the best just it's like well that's a great message be the best i can get on board with that yeah and then the, he's under constant attack and then but even though all that i would say in the last 20 years the first three years of his administration were the best of the last 20 years for me personally um with what business was, yeah. and life and everything and I have a lot of friends all over the country and they all said the same thing. It's like, and a lot of them hated Trump. Mm. They're hardcore Democrat. Well, and in, it, in contrast it, to the last like, three. It's like, I hate this guy and he's a total buffoon, but man, life is good. I'm making money. I've got hope. And I, this is what I believe about people. If you wake up every morning with the belief that you can do something today to improve your circumstance, then you're happy. Yeah. You, you I'm going to make a better tomorrow with my actions today. And I have the ability to do that. And you see the chance and the opportunity. Yeah. You would not do not do it. And then for whatever reason, I don't know what the end game is, but it doesn't appear to be good. They just constantly pull the rug out from under you and, and make it your perception or try to shift your perception. It's like, what's the point? Like, what is the point? I mean, I, I can tell you this, like we, uh, we had our best year ever and I was in a different position. Like, so when COVID hit, we had our internet business, you know, so everybody's at home. Nobody yeah. can go out to eat. Nobody's going out to bars to drink. They got extra money and they're stuck at home. They got, the internet was still on <laughs> and they get, if they had a ZRX, you know, in their garage, they're like, Hey, buy some parts and work on my bike. While we're you know? sitting here, might so, as well. Yeah. We had the first year of COVID was the best year we had in 20 years. <laughs> and so then, uh, you know, administration changed, inflation started shooting through the roof and with our business, everything, you know, it's, it's, uh, materials, outside services for, you know, anodizing and other, you know, some outsourced machining, some, you know, different things. Well, cost it because of inflation, everybody's raising their prices and it's like, ting, it's ting, crazy. ting, ting. Yeah. You know, it's just ratcheting up. Some companies, you know, had four price changes in a year. Yeah. And we're trying to keep up with this. Well, somebody ordered something. Oh, well, I just ordered it and it's like 60 more dollars than what we have on the website. And I'm like, eh, just we'll eat that part of it out of our pro, you know, like whatever. We grossed the same amount in 2021 that we did in 2020. And our, net was half of what it was in 2020 really yep because wow. because of the rising cost of, mm -hmm. because we were reacting and always 
you know, cause you want to like, I would do it for free. I want to stay competitive. I don't want to price myself out to where nobody's here. doing anything. They say like feed prices were going, I mean, like they're so, yeah, you paying did. twice as much for feed now. Right. So, and you're now. quoting, you know, like, Oh, yeah, well, now I can't to keep do up it. with it. Yeah. Yes. And, and I don't want to go and like Jack everybody, yeah. but then you get to a point where like, yeah. geez, man, well, I'm then, trying to drive to a horse show yeah. and I can't well, like, I can't cost me to, oh, to go dude. and do this. So I did a event and, you know, we do track days and stuff uh, locally, but in, which is not that big a deal, but we went to Barber in Alabama um, the end of, I guess the end of 2020. Um, and it was expensive, dude. <laughs> Diesel was like four dollars a gallon. I know. And I was like, oh man. I mean, it was the biggest part of the trip because I towed the trailer yeah. was my diesel bill. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. So I, you know, we dropped thirty five hundred bucks to go do a two day event, and which I mean, it's not that you know, but for us, it's a big deal. Yeah. You know? I mean, because it's on top of everything else. Oh, and, I know. And, and, I know. Like I remember the first time I filled up my my spare tank in the regular tank, and and diesel <laughs> when it jumped up to what's your regular tank forty four. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and then I so like I just 60. have the one. We have the same truck. Yeah, but no, no, I got a sixty-gallon tank in the back. Yeah, and it was like four hundred bucks just yeah. to fill the when thing it up. started going up. Yeah, yeah. So when we Holy were, you know, smack. it got up to six dollars, over six dollars a gallon. Yeah. It was two hundred and sixty dollars, you know, to, to fill, fill up a regular. Truck I would up. fill my truck up when it would get close to a half. <laughs> I fill it up because mentally, you know, that was still a hundred and. $30. I could, it's like, oh, okay, what, well, you know, but if I let it get to empty and I had to put $260 worth of diesel in my, tr- mm-hmm. like, dude, that's a car payment almost, you know, or like back in the day. Yeah. Being, I mean, no, it was the same thing. I was, I would, my, my gym membership at jujitsu was, was um, my diesel, my, my fuel price to go to, to, to class twice. Yeah. When you start doing the math. Yeah. yeah, It was twice. My fuel was twice as much as my membership just to run in there. It was like, man, I had to budget all that. It was nuts. I, it was changing everything. Yeah. Well, when you look at that and think about, you think about it, it's like, Oh, so what happened? Uh, There's just not as much oil as there was two years ago. Uh, No, like, this is all policy, right? This is somebody, the puppeteers pulling the strings and going, hey, we're going to do this. Somebody's making a ton of money. Oh, you know what I mean? And it's yeah. like, hmm, all, all what, and who's paying for it? Well, guess what? Yeah. We get to pay you for schmo. it. Yes, dude. <laughs> and, but the fuel price, I read an article. Oh, this is like back in 05 or 06. I used to travel a lot with these race teams when I was a crew chief. And um, it was an article in Rolling Stone magazine. It was like a 10 page article and it was about economic bubbles. And I, you know, it was news to me. I, I was like, oh, yeah. what's this about? I started reading it and it was talking about the Great Depression and uh, the housing bubble. And, and they were talking about how the next, I mean, it had multiples in between there, but how big banking and the government mm-hmm. and all this, they're all like, and talking about how this guy that, were, you know, is, one day he's in the Capitol working in Washington, D.C. for the president. And the next day he's the CEO of Goldman Sachs and how they just how it's all so commingled and, inter, you know, it's like interchangeable yeah. pieces. Oh, so incestual. Yes. <laughs> and and it's like 
they were talking about how they create these economic bubbles and they just like push all the money out and get everybody invested and going. And then they just pop the bubble and suck it all back up. And then they just, it, and if you think about it and look back, you know, at, you know, uh, I'm starting to realize the value of age is like having a viewpoint, you know, like, and like looking back and going, Oh, wow, this is real. They do this to us. And, um, and so how do you prepare yourself or, you know, mm-hmm. but in this article, they talked about, uh, and this is back in 04, 05, I think was talking about, uh, carbon credits and it wasn't something they were just still lobbying. I don't think they were actually a real thing oh, yeah. at that time. Mm-hmm. They're like, that'll be the next economic bubble. And God, it must've been 04 mm. because they talked about it and they're like, you know, it could, it has the potential you could have your electricity bill could be four times what it is now. And I'm like, whoa, that would be a house mm-hmm. payment. Your electricity would be as much as your mortgage payment here in Texas anyway. And a lot mm-hmm. of, you know, middle-class people, I'm like, oh, that would be that game changer, right? Yeah. Now you got two mortgages. Most people can't afford two houses. Yeah. And now you, and that's just your electricity, not your fuel. And I don't think, you know, uh, gas prices, were like a dollar thirty five and then Katrina hit. Oh yeah. And it was like, oh now they're four dollars a gallon overnight. And you're so I get it. There's some refineries down there, yeah. but it's not all the refineries. <laughs> and it there's gas at the pump that was here in the ground yesterday yeah. for a dollar and now it's four dollars. Like so what's really going on? And oh, yeah. you look at all the things that happen and I mean it's really just somebody somewhere deciding that this is how it's going to be and tough luck. And that's, you know, and so I see how people do get like kind of demoralized on. Yeah. But I think the thing is, is that you start like being. So I think that's, that's the important thing. The lesson that, you know, you can't neglect on teaching with your kids too, is how to, you know, you have to prepare for that adversity, right? When, when your first time you're caught in the adversity in in your sport or whatever it is, and, and, and then you experienced it and I experienced it is that the first, you know, you're coming up through it, you're, you're finally enjoying what you're doing, the hard work and whatever else. But the thing, the lesson that you learned going through all that hard work and all that adversity is that whenever all of a sudden things take a downward turn, you don't fold up. Yeah. Right. You don't, you don't, when, when, when I left uh, the situation where all of a sudden I had to like go and, and rebuild my own facility again, where I'd had one at once before, like 10 years before I'd had been, I had my own facility and it was halfway paid for. And then all of a sudden I end up in a position where I'm like, dang, I can't even put a down payment barely on the house that yeah. I have. And, and I didn't know how I was going to do it again. And I sat there and I was looking for you know, like where the help and who's going to help me and whatever else. And it was like, wow, geez, what the hell am I doing? Like, I know how to build a barn. Yep. I know how to build all this stuff. Like, what am I waiting on? Did somebody, somebody else? All right, buddy, it's time to go get after it again. So I, I rode horses all day long and I built barn in the afternoon. Yep. And, I, and I did that for, you know, a solid year and a half to figure. But I, I think the difference was in, 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 and this is part of the reason why I do this, want to do this, right? Is because at that time, my children never saw that. At that time, my kid, my kids didn't see me like eating beanie weenies in order to make darn sure I was going to get this stuff done and, and working, you know, not working an eight hour day, not working a 10 hour day, like working 14 hour days yeah. and then hauling and, I mean, and then taking like, 
a, a three day vacation in a year and a half to five yeah. years later. Right. And, and yeah. not doing like going without that stuff. And, and, um, and they didn't see that. And, and if I don't show them that and I don't give them like, I, I think one of the toughest things for me to do with my kids is not, <laughs> is not create that perfect environment for them to be able to succeed. I like, I keep saying my, my youngest son's pretty athletic. Right. And he goes, I think the biggest thing he needs right now is adversity. Like he needs it. Like he needs to fall on his face. Right. He needs like to figure out how to work through that. Right. And my job is to step in behind him. Right. And whenever it gets tough and it gets hard, don't bail him out, step into that rough heart, hard spot and go show him how to pull himself out of it. Right. Because no matter what, whenever that, the next, you know, whatever leader that we have, that's going to run ourselves into the ground or whatever, what, what made us who we are with the rest of the world has sat back and looked at the United States and looked at us with awe and wonder and going yeah. like, how in the heck did they get to where they are at? It was because they were, we were, we started out with a group of people who were not opposed to the adversity whenever they, when they stepped in and said no, right? They didn't say no without a plan. I think that's the beauty of our country, right? Yeah. Is that we stepped in, our our men, the men who, who built our country, Right. You can believe whatever you want to believe about them, but there's undeniable truth about them that they stepped into the hardest crap possible with a plan, with a plan of doing it and doing it right and fixing what the wrongs were they were done before. But they had a plan. They didn't come in here and just raid and not have a plan on it and leave it just a chaotic mess. They came in with one of the most best constructed plans possible because they came through the adversity. Right. Right. And that's what, as dads, that's what we've got to do. Well, I think that's why they're called the founding fathers. <laughs> because as a father, what are you doing? That's exactly You're right. You're talking about generational. When I look, you know, when I got probably to about around my early 40s, I, my perspective totally shifted. I stopped thinking about myself and what I was doing and where I was yeah. headed. And I started thinking in terms of mm -hmm. how is this going to affect a positive change in the future for my kids how is this going to benefit my family moving forward not you know like you know being an athlete and doing some of the things i did yeah. racing and you you know a lot of it was about me like yeah. hey i want to do this i want to do that i want to you know i want to have That's succeed work on myself i still want to do those things but i want as i'm doing it i want the outcome to be beneficial to my entire family as yeah. a father Isn't that true? And, and generationally. Right. So like, like we talked about earlier about like, okay, well, so you got a little bit of land, you build some apartments, you know, it's funny because I have a shop on my property that I built because I couldn't afford to pay anybody to build right. that shop and built it. And when I built it, I'm like, I'm going to put a loft in this thing that we can live in, you know? And like, if we had to live in that and rent our house out to make ends meet, we could do that. Yeah. Or, if the boys need an apartment, it's a month, you know, it's like a mother-in-law yeah. apartment. And then, you know, through some other things, we have some family land that Kim's parents bought and, and, uh, in Montana and we're getting ready to start doing some stuff up there too. And that's a big focus and the boys are on board with it. I'm like, yeah. man, I want you guys to start thinking in terms of investing in this for yourselves and for your kids and for your kids, kids. And, you know, cause it's, 
a big piece of property, <laughs> hundreds of acres. And mm. so, mm. you know, where there's mm -hmm. potential to have a family ranch. And, you know, I have a, a on Kim's side of the family, I call him uncle, but he's really more of a, a, a cousin, you know, like third or fourth cousin, I guess. Um, but he's a incredible guy, uh, you know, self-made businessman has a huge construction company and he has a ton of land. And, you know, I went over to visit him one time and we're driving through, Oh, that's my daughter's house. And this is my, you know, so-and-so that it's his land. And he built all these houses for all his family, you know, did all this mm -hmm. stuff. And it's just their place, you know, it's, yeah. it's really cool. And it's like, here's a guy that I just have an infinite amount of respect for because, his forward thinking and like wanting to help and take care and give everybody a step up <laughs> because I think moving forward, it's going to be really, really important to do those things to, you know, to invest in our family, you mm -hmm. know, and our kids. And that's the important man. It's such a good point that <laughs> is the reason why we they were called our founding fathers because it was, it's, it's, in order to be that, it has to be that I and I and I think that has been a bit of the downfall in in a big portion of our society. Absolutely. In across the world. You see well, when there's no father role. And and I don't know, I mean I can't speak for you, but I know we're we our values and beliefs line up with a lot of things. But for me, becoming a father it helped me understand God, mm -hmm. um, father. <laughs> um, and I had been in love. I love Kim to death. Like mm -hmm. I did not know what unconditional love was. I thought I did, mm -hmm. but I had no idea until you're a parent, until you have kids. I don't think you can. And I don't, I think there are a lot of parents that still don't know, you know, unfortunately, but as a, as a parent, mother or father, looking at your child, knowing, like, they're not going to get, there's nothing in it for you. I mean, you know what I mean? You're yeah. going to invest all your time, yeah. all your energy, all your money, everything you have, just because you love this human being so much, you know, like that with no, fully, no expectation of anything in return right other than the joy of seeing them benefit yep you know so that from i'm like oh i get like and now i get it when i was younger i'm like yeah all these rules god has for us you know like <laughs> for sure trying to take all the fun out of everything <laughs> you know it's like yeah maybe just trying to help you make some better choices maybe just trying to help you make some better decisions no i had um I heard this once before and I thought it was such a profound thing was that um, one of the, pre a, a one person was asking another one why they were having such a hard time um, coming to a better understanding of their creator, right? An understanding who God was and, um, and the whole father thing and the rules. He's like, man, I just, you know, yeah, but, you know, I, I mean, I'm into the whole love thing, but um, I just, you know, I'm just not with all these rules. And and uh, and the response that the other guy had was profound, I thought. He said that 
without rules, love can't flourish. The, in order for love to flourish, it has to have rules and has to have boundaries. It's the same thing in a marriage. Without any rules between me and my wife, their love can't flourish. Without honor and respect between me and my sons, love can't flourish. Without without me having the role of being a good father to my daughters and knowing what that looks like and knowing what that is, love can't flourish. It's not that it can't exist, but it does not flourish without the parameters of love, without yeah. that. And it has to have. And in and our God's a God of order. Right, he's a he's a god of 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 order and and not chaos, and and he knows and has told us he calls himself father because there's a reason because they call himself father, right? Because he he gives you the attributes of what a good father is, and so if you don't even have a father in your house, yeah. you have a good example of what you a father is. To be one, yeah. That's right. That's right. And he gives us, and he we don't call him father. He called himself father. There's a reason why he did, because there's attributes to being a good father, yeah. right? And yeah. there are these 100%. rules, and those rules are not because he doesn't love you. There are yeah. rules because he does love you. And when you have a father that's a good father and that has set up boundaries for you and showed you how to act and be and didn't accept you for you know whatever you wanted to do, but he gave you those parameters is because he loved you enough to give you those parameters, not because he didn't love you and just yeah. said, do whatever you want to do. Right. Right. No father does that. No father that loves yeah. his child that goes, you know what, do whatever you want to do. A father that loves his child and wants for his, his relationship to flourish sets boundaries so that you know what's expected yeah. of you. Yep. Right. That was, that was pretty profound to me whenever yeah. I realized that, you know, those laws and those, those things that those law, you know, rules that he puts about, man, it shows in everything. It shows in sports. You have to have rules, or it's you know there is no winner. Yeah. <laughs> we got to keep score because if there wasn't, there would be no yeah. winner. There would be no success to it. That we we wouldn't be able to find any joy in it, yeah. right? We wouldn't we we wouldn't have you know rules and laws. We we wouldn't have competition, right? It would just be like do whatever you want to do, and then it wouldn't be all that fun anymore. Yeah, you know. There would be no no you know accomplishment to anything. It would just be you know given, and we'll sit back and yeah. you know. Um, but yeah. And that, when we say all that, that's the world living without rules, right? Accepting of everything, right? Yeah, you know. Then, well, try to redefine reality as, exactly you know, because everything. I mean, really, if you think about it, we made all this up together, like definitions and you know like it's like okay but it has to and those are the rules that's what we all agreed upon mm -hmm. and it's like oh well you can call anything of anything does it make it that it's like no but if we don't have you know if, if, if we don't have a definition if you're expecting a glass of water you know and, and you order a glass saw, of vodka you're gonna be disappointed saw, you, know? you know the other day where they were talking about well, you know, theoretically, two plus two could be five. Oh, no, I saw it too. Yeah. yeah. Well, tell that to the guys building your house, you dumbass. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, like, yeah. that's all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to say was like, tell that to the guy who's uh, pouring your concrete. You know, somehow it was racist too. I saw, I know. yeah, two plus two <laughs> equaling four was somehow racist. Uh, yeah. The, 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 
the idiocy that is prevailing right now. Well, and that's the contradictions. Whenever we're sitting here, we're talking about whether, oh, there's contradictions in, in scripture. Well, there's contradictions in your worldview. Now, write that for me. Well, so, you know, that's an interesting, interesting, like, so when you were young, when I, and I'm, when I was young, yeah, uh, I did I was, things too. I, I saw the I, same. I, I was taught that, you know, um, to respect and kind of revere the president, your doctor, your, the, you know, the lawyer, like they had worked hard engineer, like all these things. Mm-hmm. I think because of what we see in society, like, and I think it starts with the moral decay and breakdown and the absence of a moral and ethical compass. Mm-hmm. When you see these people we're supposed to be looking up to destroying other people yep. for their own greed, their own lust of power, their own, you know, you're like, all of a sudden everything starts to unravel. You start to quit. I mean, I know at you know, almost 55 years old, I'm looking at my life and I feel, and that's why I feel crazy half mm-hmm. the time these days is because I look back and I go, it, nothing is what I thought it was. Yeah. It's not, you know, I mean, I was taught things, but I also had a perception of it. And I realized, you know, not everything was as it, as it was. I just didn't have any idea of how mm-hmm. crooked things really were, but so now we live in a world where it's like, why would I re- have respect for this leadership that mm-hmm. that we have? Why would I have respect? I mean, I have a lot of friends that are doctors that, you know, our kids went to private school together with them and mm-hmm. I love them dearly. But through this whole pandemic thing, I know their hearts, right? And they're good people. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, they weren't trying, but they were being led by people who aren't so good. There's mm-hmm. a dissemination of information that comes from the top on down. I agree. And I was hearing these things like, oh, well, this is going to happen. And like, how do you know that? Unless mm-hmm. you planned it and you're executing it. <laughs> how would you know that? And then the plan to fix it is coming from the same people that created the problem. It's like, you trust the solution from the person who created the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's all this stuff. It's like, yeah, after a while, you're like, I don't, I don't trust any of it. None of it's like, lining up. None right. of it jives anymore. And so, you know, but I think that's where, back to your point, uh, personal accountability. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if you're a Jordan Peterson fan, but like. Yeah, I like listening to this. Yeah, I, I mean, that's like the personal accountability thing is huge, man. It's mm-hmm. like, and part of being an athlete and part of the discipline and respecting yourself and others and doing all. It's like, yeah, you got to show up every day. Life isn't fair. I mean, I heard that all the time coming up as a, you know, yeah, it's not fair, but you get to choose whether you lay down or stand up and yeah. work through it and, and win and conquer. And that's the beauty of it. You yep. can choose that. You I know? agree. I had a, 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 an acquaintance who he had a, a, a street ministry. And when I had my business, he was, he had a little printing shop, printed our Christmas cards and, you know, that we sent to our clients and things like that. And he was somewhat prophetic and brought us a message one time that was just, it was one of, you know, through life, there's been a few things where he's like, you know, if there was ever any question, <laughs> yeah, it has been removed now. <laughs> and he delivered one of those messages one day in such a timely manner that it was like, I mean, it was supremely timed divine intervention where it was like, 
I mean, just, yeah, crazy. But anyway, but the one thing that he told me one time, you know, he's like, yeah, I hear people all the time. Well, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains, you know, and he's like, people get that all wrong. He's like, they think they're just going to, you know, mm-hmm. he's like, I got news for you. Don't be surprised if God hands you a shovel. <laughs> and that's the reality of this life that we're living in mm-hmm. somewhere between, you know, that hard work mm-hmm. and that praying for the ability to work harder than, you know, your opponent or, but you have to show up and be willing to do the work. It's yeah. not always hard. Some things are, you know, sometimes things come super easy. Sometimes things are just a gift, but there's also a gift in that hard work too. And you got to work for something and put yourself through the adversity and lose, fail, get knocked down. Yeah. Get back up. You know, that's the, I think the thing through your whole journey is like being able to look back at that and it's reassurance that, yeah, like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. I know I've been here before. I can do this. I had to, and it, but you build on it. Right. And that's like with kids, that's the thing you're looking for that first opportunity to go, how do we start this process and how do, where you have something to build on and it, it requires both sides. They need success and they need failure and they need to start learning how to prepare and work and be accountable so they can have more success. Than, yeah. You know, so they come out, out on the right yeah. end and, of things. And realize that just don't quit too soon. Just don't quit too soon. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's the, it's the, that's, that's the only way you truly fail is, yeah. to, is to give up. Yeah. There's a saying in the uh, farmers that's um, um, it's good to pray for rain but you should pray and plow. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't want to sit and pray for it. And then all of a sudden you get it, you know, yeah. plow the field. Yeah. So it's, you got to do a little bit of the, you got to do the work, you yeah. know, you can't just sit back and just hope, you know, yep. and it's there's like, uh the work's got to come in too. Yeah. Well, that's a uh, pastor say one time. Yeah. A, a member of my congregation that was, you know, praying every Sunday or praying every, all oh, every day, every that they would win the lottery and, and, uh, you know, never bought a ticket, never bought a ticket. You know, it's like, well, you gotta, you have to show up at some level, you know, I I don't think that's a good investment of your energy or time, (laughs) Yeah, but uh, yeah, you got to show up and do the work. And well, man, I'm glad you came out and, and, and had this talk with me, man. I, uh, I think it's, I think these are the kind of, things that I love to share with my boys and I want to, and, and I think in our current country and it's oddly enough, crazy as it is, I get a lot of downloads from all over on, on this thing. And there's always, there's truth is infectious. Mm -hmm. And um, when we get to talk and share and, and give other young men, insight is to you know not only the hard work and the adversity and all the other stuff but man to show young men that there is success that doesn't look like your lebron james yeah like that is that is one facet of it and that is not necessarily a successful life not that he doesn't may not he may i don't have no idea i don't know him from adam but 
just because he's on a poster and uh, he's got, you know, his shoes yeah. does not mean that he's success. And success, even for fa- young fathers, yeah. to realize that the success of your son, you know, and what you're what you're aiming them towards oh, is, man. you know, success is is being able to find that joy and teach your your son how to be to be able to teach that to his son on where that joy is at and finding finding the the finding the reward in the sacrifice for them like i love that part i've there's such a a great part one of the greatest parts about being a dad right is getting to the point the understanding that you find the joy in my own sacrifice Right, that I finding the fun in in pouring into them, and yep. and it's and it's not it's not about me, you know, it's not about me ne- hitting another deal or whatever else. Like, man, I don't, I I love competing. I love, I know, I still do, and plenty of other things, right? But um, but man, not missing out on the next, you know, track meet that they're going to. Oh, yeah. Not missing out on, you know, those little moments where they're they've got that, you know, that I I I I think that'll be etched in my brain. Um that that football game that we we were both at and yeah. both our pl- sons were on the team playing and stuff. And that emotion, like I can't imagine having missed that opportunity oh. as a dad. Holy crap. Because yeah. I I mean I I am so so lucky that I did not miss that opportunity to have that conversation. And I saw it in your boy when he was walking yeah. off the field and his and with his brother and you and everything else and that opportunity that 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 laid out right there and then and that like crap. Thank goodness we didn't miss it. Like yeah. that's just one of those one of the many yeah. That we didn't we didn't miss, you know, and I don't know if they'll remember it. He may not. My son may not remember that. You know, but I remember it, yeah. you know, and and it will make an impact somewhere. Yeah, no, for sure. There's. Uh, yeah, I don't. Uh, out of all the things I've done in my life and my own accomplishments and, you know, little small victories through mm-hmm. life, there's nothing that compares to the joy of seeing your kids flourish and yeah. and grow and face adversity and overcome it like to to make that decision you know uh, our oldest son was in a football game uh geneva and uh it was the first year they played 11 man football so you know small private school but um he uh he was a receiver and a defensive back and he went up to catch a ball and db just hit him right in the back just knocked the wind out of him and so he went down you know couldn't breathe the trainer came yeah. out took him to the sidelines and my wife of course was really worried <laughs> i and, told you we shouldn't <laughs> yeah and i'm like and i'm like i'm looking intensely and i'm like oh this is big this is big you know it's and the moment this is the moment and she's like you think he's hurt i'm like no 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 he's fine i'm like this is really important though and i'm just like staring like watching seeing how, what he and as soon as he caught his breath, you know, he's, they, they brought him to the sideline. He sat down and he missed one play and he was like, got, and he's shaking his head and pushing the trainers away and runs back over to the coach to put, you know, put me back in, put me back in. I'm like, Oh, and like that was the moment. That was the defining moment. Yeah. Like now he, it, it, it took me a little longer with him to really see his, uh, 
true, you know, I, I, he was very gifted. So things came easier to him. Mm -hmm. So to see him face that advert, that was the first time I truly saw him face adversity and, and, and like bear down like a pit bull and get a hold of it and be like, no, this is, I want back in there. Yeah. I want to get it. And I'm like, okay, now we're good. And, and she's like, what, what do you, you know, like, I thought he was hurt. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. There's, this is a pivotal moment, yeah. you know, like the, a defining moment. Um, but the joy in it as a, as a father is, I don't think anything can really, I don't know about you, you know, like I still yeah. enjoy my own, the my own small victories, but mm -hmm just the things that we get to watch our kids do and, and, and help guide them and teach them and prepare them. And like you said before, generationally, how that, how that adds up down the road, um, you know, is, uh, it's pretty rewarding. It is rewarding. And hopefully they'll have that opportunity. I mean, I know right now that like the, all the circumstances, all the things we're going through, I don't care. Mm -hmm. I, what, what gets me alarmed or concerned or all that is like, is like, Ooh, I don't like the way this is heading. Where is this going to land mm -hmm. my boys? Where, how are the, what's going to be left for them? Mm -hmm. Like, what's this world going to look like and how do I help prepare yeah. so they can be successful in it? And that's really the biggest thing. I don't really don't care. Like, cause we agree on it and it's all made up. Mm -hmm. I don't care what a dollar's worth as long as we all agree on it. And it stays somewhat, consistent you know when a dollar is a dollar today and then tomorrow it's a quarter that's a problem for me you know what i mean yeah. <laughs> and so it's really the landscape and how it shifts underneath your feet mm -hmm. that gets me excited and kind of like ah, oh, you know like yeah. but at the same time i think well you trust in god i mean that's another thing that comes with age i think it's a beautiful thing is like i look back and i tell you know i have friends that they're struggling right now and they're like, oh, I'm worried about this, that, and the other. I'm like, you know, when was the last time you couldn't pay your mortgage? When was the last time you couldn't, you know, and I know that's a reality for some people. Oh, but um, we don't, like, we're in the bubble we're in. Yeah, yeah. Know, we don't know what hard is. No, absolutely not. Uh, yeah. But they're going through their own hardship. Yep. And they're like, well, never. I'm like, yeah. well, then historically, based on 40, 50, however many years of your experience, mm -hmm. would you say that it's a pretty sure thing that you're going to be okay through this yeah. as well? Um, and, you know, and but that goes back to the hard work, right? Exactly. The reason it'll be okay is because when you're faced with that adversity, you've learned to double down, put in the work, you know, it's not always, I tell my wife all the time, like, if I had to work this hard, as hard as I'm working now, in the nineties <laughs> and the early two thousands, yeah. we would literally be rich. Like I've never worked harder in my life than yeah. I have in the last 10 or 12 years yeah. um, for as little. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of like, Oh, that's kind of a bummer. <laughs> yeah. But the, in the, 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 but the, the upside is we're here. Yeah. And, and we're still, I'm liking doing what I'm doing. And I love what I do. And I, you know, enjoy yeah. Like my life is filled with joy. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know if you follow uh, our social media or anything, but you know, that's one thing over the last couple of years, like we just, we've just started to like through adversity, there's always like a silver lining, right? Mm -hmm. So all this stuff we're going through, I'm like, right off the bat, I'm like, well, this sucks, but all the boys are home, mm -hmm. Like they all can't, you know, 
our two oldest came home from college. All six of us were back under the same roof and oh, we're gotta be having fun. And I'm like, Hey, what do you guys want to do? You know, we built ARs. I'm like, let's, you know, like, what do you guys want to do? And they're like, I, you know, like we can buy some 80% lowers and build and buy, you know, get online and buy the rest of the components and go planking and have some fun. And, you know, and, and you'll have, yeah, you can uh, take it. I mean, that, that was their choice. I told them we can do whatever you want. I just don't want you sitting here playing video games the whole time you're home because yeah. it's not productive. So let's have some projects. We can build some motors. We can, you know, yeah. I can teach you to weld. We can run the CNC, whatever you want. And they came back to me, my older boys. And so then the younger ones like, yeah, that sounds like fun. So we, yeah. that's what we did, but it brought us all closer. Like it, mm -hmm. in it, in it, like, reinstilled kind of that kind of the, the the importance and the bond of family and especially in times that are hard yeah um but now with everything the way it is it's like well what do we do because i'm not going back to barber i want to but i'm not going to spend five thousand dollars in gas to go yeah. do a track day for a day or two i mean it's ridiculous yeah and so well, you know, we've been riding together as a family a lot. Kim started riding again. And so we get all our bikes and we, you know, I we have share. shown you some of the videos. So we share yeah, on yeah. social media, but, but we spend a lot of time. Like if it's a nice day out, it's like, Hey, that's the beauty of being self-employed too. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, Hey, it's three 30 and you know, I'm not, don't have anything that has either. to go out today and it's nice out. Let's all jump on bikes and go take a little rip through the hill country mm. and grab a taco at free Rome and, you know, and, and so it has, uh, there's, there's a silver line into everything. It's just, you know, you got to keep your perspective, right. And, it's important. And it really is. You know, and it really is important whenever, you know, when you, you get the opportunity to sit back and kind of see where they're at. And it was one of the things that I think is, is really, it's harder for me to do because I just don't, you know, I don't, I don't do it enough. But, you know, you kind of get stuck in a little bit of the mire of, you know, like, God, I got to get there. or I got to get to this point. I got to get to this point. And you're looking back at, you know, the past two months and where you're at from where the past. It's but you frustrating. Can. But if you look back from five years back and where you're at now, you're going to go, man, if you take a head that perspective every once in a while, I'll be able to step back a little bit and like get to, you know, like the tough parts. And there's always something going wrong with the kid doing something or whatever else. But you step back and you go like, man. Uh, yeah. they're doing pretty good they're on the right track we're always moving forward yeah i mean i you know like yeah we have setbacks but that's you know something i do i bet you do it too it's like oh something gets me down i feel oh, you yeah. know financially it's been a rough spot you know spell or uh whatever it is and then sometimes i just have to sit down and look around and go yeah but yeah. you know 10 years ago or 15 years ago we didn't have this shop we didn't have cnc equipment we didn't have this we didn't, you know like we are growing through all of it even mm -hmm. though it's been more difficult than it probably could have been or should have been uh, in a lot of regards um but yeah, because you set goals and you want to move forward. I, that's yeah. I go back to that, you know, what I said earlier. I said, I think that's the key to all of it is if we wake up with the belief and the hope for a better tomorrow that we can that we can actually go out and that our labors are profitable and rewarding. Yep. And we can create a better life for ourselves and our family and loved ones, you know, and community and all that and build I mean, that's what we really are. All of us, we're builders, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what we do. Um, if we can do that and it is fruitful, 
then there's the joy, right? Exactly. You have the joy. Um, so yeah, I just, but you got to show up and do the work and, yeah. and that is good stuff. That is good stuff. Well, we got to have to come back again. We'll have to talk more about your, yeah. Oh, well, this is probably not, don't need to record it, but, uh, I have a guy that you need to get out here. Um, Scott Carlson, he moved to Bernie. Well, he moved to Bernie this year, but he moved to this area two years ago. He was a Seattle firefighter. I met him in at the at the brewery, uh, not at the brewery, at the coffee shop. You you introduced me to him. I think he was sitting there. Uh, oh, you're right. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah guy I remember that. So he's got a cool story. And I met him at Black Rifle, right? So yeah. we were in there. We had a big table on you know over towards the end, and um, uh, it was Kim and I, and we had uh, three of our boys and one of their girlfriends. So there were six of us. We had a big group. And he came in with his family, he has his wife and three kids, and they had some friends coming to meet him. And the place was just packed. It was like a weekend morning. And and he came up and said, Hey man, if you guys are getting ready to go, will you let me know? We, you know, they were all huddled around this tiny little two top yeah. and they had more people coming. I'm like, Yeah, yeah, man, I'll, you know, and we were wrapping it up. So I walked back over and a couple minutes later and said, Hey man, we're wrapping it up. You might just come over yeah. and just sit down as soon as we stand up because the table's going to be gone. And, um, and he had asked me for it. So, um, as we were walking back, I had my shirt on and big, I bought it to fly. Cause I refused to fly during all that stuff. Yeah. I used to fly a lot. And I'm like, if you, if I have to wear a mask, I'm out, I'm not doing it. Yep. You know, like that's yep. just, that was my deal through the whole thing. I'm like, I'm going to live on my terms and I'm going to find people that'll, you know, it's fine. You don't, you want to comply. I think it's a mistake. It's fine. I'll, yeah, it's fine. Feet, we can because do, just we can like do that's your or. choice. I'm going to take my <laughs> free will and choice and I'm going to go somewhere else with my money yep. and not put a mask on and do the same thing that I've always done. And that's, and we successfully did that through all of COVID. Um, but there was one time that I had to fly, uh, just it was unavoidable. So I was like, well, this sucks. You know, I, I was really adamantly opposed to being forced to muzzle mm -hmm. myself you yep. know so i got online and i bought a shirt in big letters that says trust god and then not government and uh because that was my whole thing through this yep that whole thing and it, you know that was one thing when we talk about like the disillusion and kind of inconsistencies and all that a lot of it we we've created ourselves mm -hmm. as you know as leaders and in you know the the church and lack Some, thereof yep. and lack thereof it's like hey man you know, where's your faith? Yeah. You know, I trust God with my life. I always have like, I, it, it belongs to him, not me. No. And when one thing that's guaranteed, when, it's going to come to an end. Yes, it is. <laughs> and that's between me and God and that's it. And yep. I'm okay with it. Yep. And, and, um, I'm not holding on to it. You know, it's mm -mm. like, you know, mm -hmm. I'm good. Um, so that's my choice and I'm not going to, because to me, living the way they want us to live and what they're trying to, that's not living at all. That's not what God had in store for us. And so anyway, I got this shirt, trust God, not government, and had to fly and do all that. But anyway, I had it on the, that day in the coffee shop and we were walking past the table and this little older couple sitting at a table like, oh, I like your shirt. So I started talking to him. And then Scott was right there and he started chiming in and I didn't know him from Adam. We were just, we had just met, uh, and, uh, 
they were talking about, yeah, this is nice. He's like, yeah, we just moved here and, and, uh, it's so refreshing. And, and so when we left there to go over to the table, I said, where'd you move from? He's like, Oh, Seattle. And I'm like, Oh dude, I went to UW played football there. He said, oh, I, I played at Oregon. I was a duck and he's 10 years younger than me. And I'm like, Oh, you know, that the ducks were really our biggest rival, uh, not Washington state. Like a lot of people think. Um, but so I was like, Oh, I don't know. I guess, you know, that's, I'll, I'll try and get over that. But, uh, so we started talking, I'm like, what are you doing in Bernie's? Like, I don't know yet, whatever, I'm going to try to find something, whatever will pay the bills. And, uh, so well, what did you do? And he's like, I was a Lieutenant of the fire department. I led the charge for the religious exemption in Washington for firefighters and had like 48 firefighters that were, uh, you know, applying for that religious exemption that did not want to get vaccinated, but wanted to be firemen. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the governor signed off on it. And the mayor of Seattle tore it up two weeks later and said, tough luck. You know, I don't care if you don't get vaccinated, you are, you are basically quitting. You know, it's like, no, I'm not quitting. You're forcing me to leave. The, the whole thing is wow. blows my mind. But he was telling me that at that time in a lot of stores in Seattle, like grocery stores and stuff, to just get in and get groceries, you, they had, you'd have a VR code proving your vaccination on your phone. He was like, it was like Nazi Germany. And yeah, I'm just like, dude, this is. I don't insane. think that we realize what how bad it is in the, of, oh, no. the rest of the country. I don't think we realize how bad. You know it what's got. crazy is because living out here in Bernie, really? it doesn't seem too bad. And mm-hmm. I found ways to. Man, I never put a mask on ever. I put one on three times. Yeah, the entire time. Yeah, I'm driving to San Antonio because we have to pick up materials. And oh, you want to stop and get something to eat? Oh, guess what? It was. I was like. I just left really frustrated from a lot of places. It, it was a different world. It was going from Bernie to San Antonio. But anyway, Scott's a super interesting guy. And, you know, by the time I left the coffee shop, I'm like in tears because, you know, I think, I hope I would have the moral character and strength and not to cave just in because I have a lot of friends and family members who were, had jobs that were somehow tied to government. Mm-hmm. Um, through contracting and things like that. And they had to get vaccinated to keep their jobs. And a lot of them were my age, um, my sister and her husband for one, and they got kids in college. They're Mm. in their mid to late fifties. They can't go start over. It's like, man, I, I got bills. I got, I like, I have no choice. I'm not, I'm not, can't, you know, have my house foreclosed on and bring all my kids home from college and be like, good luck, everybody. Yeah, I don't know. I'm so glad I didn't, I wasn't in that situation where I had to make that decision. I did not have to. And I can't, and I can't, I can't fault anybody for, for anything of what they, what they did. Cause that I I can't say what I would have done in that situation, but I can say what I did in my situation yeah. and i had the liberty to be able to do that and the I did. luxury the luxury to do that yeah here. because i mean i think that's important of being kind of the master the mm-hmm. captain of your ship the master yeah. of your destiny is putting yourself in a position where you have a choice exactly and i watched people that share my values and beliefs and that felt like they had no other option Mm-mm. that they wouldn't be able to survive financially <laughs> if they yeah. didn't comply and that's that's uh, a scary place to be well so scott said no i'm not i trust god i will not comply with these 
demands and I'm done living like this. Mm. So he looked on a map and he's like, let's go to Texas. And they sold their house and packed the family, not having any idea what they're so just to stop in the middle of it. So it was very emotional for me back to the human spirit. Yeah. Because I always look at that and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I, I'm not, I don't have that moral yeah, character uh, and I don't have, you know, so I'm like, Ooh, I hope I could be that guy, you know, yeah. I would do that. And, uh, well, like the story I told earlier about John Fest that got me all emotional. I, yeah. I look at that and I think, I hope I'm, I, I want to live up to that. I, I, I hope that I have, would have that character and that strength and that, you know, and the passion yeah. and, and, um, because you I, are, you're making a decision for your whole yes, family you're doing dude. that. Like that's that is heavy. Yeah. Heavy. So he's been here for two years. He's he's flown all over the country looking, you know, doing job interviews and stuff. And and uh, but he's still not working. And his wife has been teaching school the whole time. She has a master's in education, I think, and uh, way overqualified for doing what she does, which is just teaching in a classroom. But. Um, but it, they, so they've been, they're okay. And they, you know, they do their thing, but they're lovely family. Um, hmm. and we become dear friends, like, uh, wow. like th- through the whole thing. That's cool. Um, but he's, he's an, to me, he played a little bit for the Raiders after Oregon. And, uh, I think he got concussed. I, th- I want to say, I think he was in a coma for like a week and that kind of, well, anyway, he had a pretty severe head injury that ended his career um and then he got into firefighting the adrenaline and but he's also super in well you'd appreciate this being that because you're into uh training and working out and all Mm -hmm. this the dude is like a because he was emt so like the medical side of that and like saving lives and he has a pretty strong background but even when he was playing football he loved all the, like the physical therapy and kinesiology and all these things, dude, he's literally, I've been to a lot of different people for different things. This guy, he has helped the boys, Kim, like any little ailment, like, oh man, my, this has been bothering me or that, or he's like, yeah. okay, well, this is how it works. Like he's a body mechanic, this guy, and he knows every kind of exercise. He's like, okay, stop doing all this, what you're doing. That's adding to the problem. And then do these exercises to strengthen this. Cause what it'll do is pull this and realign that joint and do, oh, wow. the dude is magic, man. And I'm like, <laughs> and he loves, uh, like he, he would love to be like us like help people with uh like coaching and developing athletes and stuff like yeah, that yeah. and because of his background with uh like the kind the of medical, physical yeah. therapy and all that i'm like dude i think you're missing you're kind of missing your yeah. calling and so he's been out interviewing for a lot of like firefighting jobs and stuff like that and i'm, I'm like he's like i don't know why it's not happening i said i I think God has something bigger in store for you, dude. I think hmm. there's, I just don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is, but it, like when you, you know, you talk to somebody and they're like, and you're like, Oh, what do you do for a living, Todd? And it's like, Oh, I'm a plumber. And they're like, Oh, that's cool. Do you like it? Nah, not really. And then it's like, well, and he doesn't say that he likes being a fireman, but then you're like, he starts all talking about something that... else and he's like, Oh, and the, like you see like, him get animated and all yes, that. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah and you're like, I, dude, your passion is here. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think you might be missing your calling, man. Like that's like, but <laughs> he's a, interesting, dude. a super cool guy that has really good moral ethical values. Father of three, like has his 
priorities right and like because that's why he did it you yeah. know he's like i'm not i'm not letting you do this to my kids yeah you know and seeing that's what was happening yeah to be able but it'd be a cool interview i, I mean if nothing else just like this i feel like i know you a lot better now yeah uh, like getting to know him a little bit he's uh he's a really cool dude you i think you would enjoy like i have i mean i love the dude i mean he's a he's a brother now you know i mean like yeah. there's those people that you in your life that he's on a pretty small list of people that i'm like if it ever goes down I'm like, <laughs> really close by. yeah yeah <laughs> and that's i think part of that too like today i'm like kim was like i'm like the timing of all this i think it's important that like men stick together and start having a voice mm -hmm. and stand up i mean that's one of the problems for us too like you want to do your thing you have your beliefs you have you but truly i think most of us are like for lack of a better definition like libertarian right it's like mm -hmm. i'm okay you can do you i'm not trying to fix anything you know like because it's not my place whatever i can only share if you if you ask i'll tell you my right my but i'm not trying to push my values or beliefs or anything mm -hmm. on anybody else but i do have them they're just mine and my family's and that's how i'm going to do m me and mine and like that's the big thing to now is we got so many people going oh no you're going to do it the way we want you to do it and well it, and i think and i, I think, think it's time for us to I bond agree. together I, I agree. And I think, but I, I think the timing is kind of coming right. I think that had I said things that I wanted to say two years ago, it would have been the wrong delivery. Oh yeah. You know, I would have, I would have come across timing as is everything. Oh yeah. I, I think for sure. And, and I think, you know, I think what what's being said is important but how it's being said is really important um yeah. you know and and there is an understanding who you're debating with and where they're coming from because i think i think a big portion of our country and a big portion of the people that are having all those troubles um most of those troubles stem from a lack of the father role the lack of l true leadership yeah that that looks like that looks like truth that looks like a real a father that cares yeah. you well, know the consistency of it too yeah like being the same and like that's uh i think that's a huge deal is well and more than anything just being an example Mm -hmm. you know like live it live in it exactly you know, i don't it, it, yeah i can't I, I can't sit and i think that's that i think is probably one of the biggest things that i like about what i want for my kids to to know right about me mm -hmm. is that um i'm not trying to be something that i'm not right I, I've I've done these things I've I've reached this or I've done that but but I I need to I need you to know I need my kids to know that you know like I fell on my face a lot yeah. right and that and I got to be honest with them and I can't sit and talk about how you know I'm a I'm a great father or something like that without acknowledging the fact that like I yell at them too you know and I screw up 
You know, I've 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 done things wrong as a father too. I'm I'm not I'm not perfect in any of it in any part of it, but my desire and my heart is for them, and my desire right. and heart is to be the good dad, right? Yeah. And and the same for society to look at it and go like, you know, okay, that's fine. And you know what? You can if you can find some fallacies in my life too, right? That you know I didn't where you know if you look at me as a twenty eight year old man, I did not reflect the same person that I am today, right? <laughs> yeah. I was not that guy, you know. Oh, and, and there's some funny things about that. <laughs> yeah, there's a fun some really funny things about that yeah. guy. And there's some things that that guy like. I'm really there's a couple of things that are really really important to me, like the fact that you know when I was twenty three years old, thank the Lord, there was never a camera around. Oh, yeah. you know, on a phone. Good I Lord. I was like, I can't imagine the things that would have today. taken pictures of what the things that I did, you yeah, know, yeah. thank goodness there wasn't that, there's no you know, yeah, there's, <laughs> there's not, but, but in order for me to be, to, for them to know that I'm being truthful in it and for them to see the world with a real worldview of what that guy did to accomplish and, and get to where he's at. What it was that, you know, yeah, your dad goes out and rides horses in the backyard every day. But there was a time when <clears throat> I wasn't doing that. Yeah. There was a time that I worked for many years doing jobs I did not like doing. Yeah. You know, and it was in pursuit of finding the jobs that I did want to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I didn't quit with it. I didn't go, well, like I give up at 23 and go, well, I'm just going to have to do this that, you know, I was willing to bang through it. And, yeah. you know, and somebody that looked at me and went, yeah, let's do it, you know? So, yeah, I think it's good. I think, yeah. I think, I think I, I love having guys on here that, you know, and get to have the opportunity to be, you know, honest and truthful and be able to, t you know, in, in, invite their boys into hearing, you know, yeah. what men talk about and talk like to each yeah. other, you know, outside of, you know, just when, when they're around yeah no, <laughs> you know, no they get to see and hear a little bit of the heart of their dad too you know and i think that's important it is important and my boys now are at an age you know my youngest just turned 17 and they're my best friends i mean yeah. all my boys i uh, there's you know that's the the beauty of this whole process that we're both going through mm -hmm. is that if you i think if you do it right you build a tribe Mm -hmm. And that tribe is, it's unbreakable bonds, but it all, it's also, it's unbreakable because everybody wants to be there and be present mm -hmm. and be a part of it. And that's what I want to create with my family. I feel like we've done that. I mean, like yeah. if, if, uh, yeah, I think if you asked any of them, they would agree. I mean, we, we love doing, I mean, we're all individuals. We do our own thing sure. too, but ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we come together. It's, and we do a lot of stuff together. And a big part of that, you know, Kim was a huge, Kim's awesome, dude. Like, I know you interview dudes out here, but she is a strong, independent. She, every summer she took those boys since the time Kendrick was like two on a month on the road camping in really? the summer. Oh yeah. And like, we're unplugging, turn off all your devices. We're going to get out in nature. Uh, we're going to do, and they started interviewing a few more women. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a partnership, dude. I mm. mean, that's one thing. Oh, yeah. Kim's super strong and independent. And in the past, I, you know, 10 years ago, or maybe even like six or seven years ago, 
if you ask me, I'm like, oh, she's pretty liberal, you know, like eh, she's, but I think most women kind of lean that way more. Um, I always call myself a, a liberal conservative because I'm like, yeah, I'm conservative, but I also am like a live and let live. Like mm-hmm. you don't tell me what to do because I know if we agree that I can tell you what to, you know, like mm-hmm. it's two, it's yeah. all a two way street, <laughs> Realize right? That goes the other way. Yeah. I'm like, I, you know, then that's the one thing to, I'm like, really, you guys don't get this. Like, like that's like, going to be used against you. Yeah. At some point yeah, you wait till the, the rest- somebody else is in control. <laughs> yes, you will be on the receiving end of that. Yeah, but yeah, no, I, you know, and that it's, we always laugh about it because being a strong, independent, somewhat liberal and me being, we are our roles are very traditional mm-hmm. she is a mother yeah. you know she is you know takes care of the house takes care of our new and she's a nutritionist takes care of all our nutritional needs you know yeah. that, you know from a to z and like and then we talk about it and it's like well yeah i wouldn't want to do the things you do and i'm like yeah i wouldn't want to do what you do it's just how we're wired you yeah. know i back to the joy these are the things i enjoy mm-hmm. and that's what i want to you know if i can do that and we can partner up and through the things that we enjoy mm-hmm. all our needs are being met and as a unit it's like wow that sounds like a pretty good deal you know i don't know yeah anyway i should i should get a couple moms in here yeah there i mean they're i I think you're an important part of it well you know and through this whole toxic masculinity cancels men culture that we're living through i don't know uh i i watch podcasts you know Mm -hmm. and and i even watch little clips reels and things that there's a lot of women standing up right now they're i think they have a huge voice of traditional values and Mm -hmm. like and respecting what men have traditionally brought to the table, which is just half, you know, you can always attack the other half of the equation, you know, like it's easy to do. Um, But uh, there's a lot of women that are carrying the torch for, well, they have to speak up right now because they're being attacked. Well, yeah, their, their whole deal is being completely attacked. I mean, now, now, you know, men can be better women than women. You know, and that's that's oh, the dude. that's the craziest part about it, right? Is that you know, right now we're rewarding, you know, men who are supposedly better, you know, yeah. being women than women are. Well, and so it's the whole role that they've walked so and worked so hard to get to and have, you know, and and get the respect and adoration, and everything else, and and for some ungodly reason, they're they're giving it, they're giving that to men. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that you know, I just saw this deal. A couple of days ago, the trans dude, woman, whatever, that's now the, the Bud, Bud Light. But they <laughs> Nike, and I don't know if this is real or not, but that some there was a little meme that came out that had him dancing around in workout clothes. So he's the new Nike women's ambassador for <laughs> Nike. I don't, here's the thing I don't know if it's true or somebody was just making a bad joke, but where we're at today, I'm like, ugh. Like I believe it. Well, you it, know. it's totally plausible today. <laughs> you know, you look at what's going. I mean, on. They, they Nike can have all the child labor they want. Why wouldn't they have the other? And nobody keeps buying their crap. It's unbelievable. <laughs> well, that's you know the other thing we touched on, like kind of some of the leadership that, and I was more 
I mean, in my mind, I didn't come out and say it, but the church, you know, I mean, that, that mm. during COVID, I wish that churches, I wish leadership and majority of churches would have taken a different stance on things. You. That, um, I think a lot of people uh, would agree with that. But for me, being an old athlete, like the whole COVID response with like college football, I mean, that's a big one for me, right? Uh, like these are 18 to 22 year old, strongest, oh healthiest. Oh, well, we can't play. We can't. And I'm like, what? And then, you know, Devin was playing college football at school. Well, of I forgot about that. And yeah. he. I remember he got kind of like so that to the point where he was pushed out of it. Yep. The first season they, during, they canceled their season. And then they had a kind of a spring football deal. And then he was coming into fall camp. He was second team tight end. And the first, so this is interesting. They, they, they had about 50% of the team got vaccinated during spring, you know, like that was like people were doing that. Mm -hmm. And then the coaches started putting pressure on the rest of the team. Like, well, how can we count on you if you're not there? How can we do this and all that? And I'm like, well, that's a bunch of BS, you know, like that's a, you know, I mean, from, from so many different standpoints. Yeah, exactly. Um, and so right before two days, they were, the emails started coming in and they were ugly. They were like, what's the different, you know, you're no different than a felon or a, I mean, I can't what? remember. There were th- like, yes, they were equating the unvaccinated. If you aren't getting vaccinated, you're this horrible person. You know, like they were, they were sending mm-hmm. these emails to him. And he's like, oh, this is going to be crazy. And also they were pointing out, like, if you don't, you won't travel more than likely because we can't rely on you. What if you pop a positive and, you know, can't play? It's like, well, people that are vaccinated are popping positives left, right, and center. <laughs> um, and then the other, uh, you're not going to be able to work out in the gym at the same time the other guys. You're going to have to wear a mask during practice. Like, can you imagine? <laughs> and all this stuff. And Devin showed up ready to go and said, I'll do all that stuff. Whatever you tell me, I'll do it. I just want to play. And no, I'm not taking the vaccine. Well, the the tight end that was first team that started for him the year before um, wasn't vaccinated either. And he's like, I'm not doing any of that crap. You want me to play for you? I'll play. But I'm, you're not treating me like this. And they're like, then you quit. Wow. So Devin was basically coming into fall camp because of that inherited the first team spot. Right. By the end of two weeks, he was behind two weeks of two days. He was behind the last incoming freshman. Wow. And every day you ready to get vaccinated, ready to get vaccinated. Oh, this has, Oh, why am I moving down the depth chart? Does it have something to do with me not getting vaccinated? No, no, it's not that. It's like, he sent me clips of practice you know they get video so they can study it and stuff he would send a clips and you know he's manhandling linebackers and blocking and running routes and making catches and doing all this and then there's clips of the other guys and they're like i mean they look like incoming freshmen they just it's like they're not even and they he had they'd moved him down behind Mm -hmm. that and then after two weeks the head coach called him into the office there was like five holdouts and he was one of them they called him into the office one at a time with the head coach and an MD and like, just like gave him the what for and why you're a no good piece of junk. If you don't do it and are you ready to do it now? And Devin, like he called me, I was very emotional, you know, yeah. he's, like, he's like, cause it was his dream. He got attacked. Yeah. It was, it was his dream yeah. to do this. And they're just like, because of this politicized retardedness, wow. they're doing this to him. 
And so I said, D, it's, it's time, dude. It's time yeah. to pull the plug, buddy. And I said, here's the thing. I, I hate that they're doing this and you're having to give up your dream. I said, the most important part to me, I said, you have nothing to prove to me or anybody else. You know, I know you think, I go, at some point, this game is going to be over for you. And I doubt he would have gone to the next level. I don't think that that would have, I don't think he even wanted to, to be honest with you. Um, so that wasn't a consideration, but he did want to play at the college level. And he really, I mean, really, he played for a couple of years, but never yeah. took the field, never really got to fulfill Get his it. dream yeah. of playing college football. And so, but it just made me so mad because I'm like, okay, these coaches are just like me and you. They came up through all this. Mm -hmm. They were once these athletes or athletes. They, you know, and, <laughs> and or I would say warriors, you know, like that. You're a gladiator. You it's made that, that choice of strength. And then and, I said academia environment. Ugh. It's that a whole environment of academia. The virtue signal. It just doesn't make any damn sense whatsoever. I, I don't get it. Well, suicide rates through the roof there uh, like at the school like co sure. colleges in general all the stuff they're doing to these kids mm -hmm. is just no it's nothing short of criminal yeah it's crazy mm. crazy stuff mm -hmm. thank god we live in the bernie bubble man you can yeah anyway well cool dude thanks a lot thank you man that's thanks, fun you have been listening to the go time podcast if you want to learn more about us go to toddmartin.net Thank you for listening.